0: Welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from I Get a Vaccine on Monday, South Carolina. Very excited. And coming to us from the City of Angels, where you probably can't get a vaccine, is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today?
1: I'm pretty sure I used up all my jokes in the first few episodes, Nick. (laughs)
0: Womp womp. <laughs> I legitimately don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> and coming to us from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is our other co-host, John. John, what's happening? What's a vaccine? <laughs> it's when a mommy and a daddy <laughs> love each other very much. <laughs> I, I don't know how to end that joke. Um, so we watched the nineteen ninety-eight kids' film Small Soldiers. And John, how would you tell somebody you watched Small Soldiers without using the title Small Soldiers? It's Gremlins with Toys. It's it, yes. We watch Gremlins with Toys. That is Pitch perfect. Jules, if the producers came back to you in 1998 and asked you for a different title for this movie, what would you have given them?
1: Well, uh, the title I came up with was in honor of DreamWorks, who I completely forgot were involved with this movie. Uh, So I went with How to Be a Dick to Your
0: AI. (laughs) (laughs) Versus How to to Trade Your Dragon. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Oh god, yes. This is very dickish towards its AI and we will we will get into it for sure. The
1: ongoing theme is just, you know, these are sentient beings and my god, do they get a walloping in this movie.
0: <laughs> oh god. Yes, I th- there are especially I mean for the 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 bad guys you, they get hurt in really, really gruesome ways, and you feel it. And it's, it's
1: you know, because the characters are just so wonderful, it it, it actually starts to feel just a little
2: unsettling at times. Uh, oh, God.
3: <laughs>
2: but as you're reminded so many times for this movie, that is their purpose. To be abused and yes. destroyed and tortured? Yes. <laughs> yes. That is their purpose. <laughs> specifically is to be hunted down and lose
0: (laughs) right i mean yeah if you're if you're the the gorgonites who
3: are the
0: the good guys in in the movie but the bad guys in the toy world yeah but for 79.95 which we learn is the the price of one of these toys you would think they would be just a little more resilient well, you blame Jay Moore for. We 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 will bl- Yeah, I blame Jay Moore for a lot of things on a daily basis in my own <laughs> that life.
2: That has nothing to do with this movie. has right?
0: nothing to do with this movie. That's a hobby, Nick. That's. <laughs> it's a way of life, my friend. So, do you guys have any memories of watching this uh, when it came out? It came out in 1998. Um, Jules and I were around ten. John, you would have been a little older. Did you, John? Did you see this in, in theaters? No. I did not
2: see this. I caught bits of it here and there over the years. I did not actually watch this movie until for this podcast.
1: Yeah, for me, I actually remember loving this movie. I feel like this was the movie that rounded off my happy childhood and then entered my terrible teenage years, and it was like the last pleasant memory I had.
2: I was way too busy being excited about being able to drive to worry about a movie about toys.
0: There, <laughs> <Fair laughs> enough. yes. And driving <laughs> plays a big part in this movie. We'll get to it.
1: Um But I confess I actually absolutely love this movie, and I still do actually, even after rewatching it. I, I very much enjoy this. I think it's a little it's not a hidden Casablanca, but it's 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 a hidden gem in my opinion. I very much was very I was very much entertained with the rewatch. Oh yeah, no, it definitely I had to keep setting myself apart to write the notes because I was kind of <laughs> getting
0: involved in the plot. Oh yeah, no. It it definitely holds up as a movie, for the most part. We'll, we'll be nitpicking its shortcomings. Well, I, what else are we here for? It's the job we've given ourselves that we are not getting paid for yet. I vaguely seem to remember watching this in the movie theaters, but when I was that age, I pretty much saw everything in theaters because that's all I was allowed to really do as a kid. No, that's not true. But you know, when you're a kid, you can't exactly go out drinking or meet up with friends for dinner at a restaurant you have certain limitations on where you can be at certain hours so yeah I saw a lot of stuff in theaters and I definitely rented this from the video store as well just because like Jules I really enjoyed it as a kid
1: yeah it had had a charm to it I don't know what it was and it's also one of those movies that just really stands alone very well and you feel like you get just a little bit extra every time. There, there we'll get into it, but uh, there are some false endings where you just think, "Well, this is would be the ending if this was released now," but but then it has an additional after climax climax, which is which I
0: which I just got so much joy out of. Uh, you heard it here, folks. Uh, Jules got multiple climaxes from watching Small Soldiers. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying, you got your money's worth.
0: I
2: had a climax or two and I was
0: done. I was like, man, it's still going. <laughs> yeah. I I usually get sleepy after. My so first I say I yeah. was ready for a nap. I was ready for a nap.
1: You and my girlfriend both. <laughs>
0: i'm single oh let's let's not pretend any of us have girlfriends (laughs) (laughs) uh so this was directed by joe dante of gremlins fame and there's a little gremlins easter egg really early on we'll definitely bring that up he also directed looney tunes back in action uh which i have watched recently and have already forgotten because it was not particularly good yeah i'm i'm aware
2: that the title exists
0: <laughs> well now it's going on the list john god damn it <laughs> and this is why you stay quiet exactly
1: this podcast would be brilliant if we were just quiet and nick just spoke to himself <laughs> <for> the entire <laughs>
2: All right, Uh we're going to have to conspire on an episode, Jules. (laughs) I think so, too. Uh Just not say anything the whole time. It'll be
1: Looney Tunes back in action. That's what it'll be. I'm just just going to be model. (laughs) Nick, desperately craving. Give me something, guys. Give me something.
2: I'll probably put a photo of me in front of the camera here, and then just go do something else for that episode that'll be the
1: speed episode yeah just put a loop of yourself over the no camera. johnny
0: you gotta do like a a ha- dry a face on your hand and just of you and just have that be your avatar
3: during <laughs> that
2: episode get some thread and glue a little beard on there
0: and i'm <laughs> <laughs> so making that a profile picture
3: now <laughs>
2: How am I going to do the hat?
0: Anyways, so something crazy that I learned this while I did not know this growing up, but the commando elites who are the soldier bad guy toys in this movie were mostly voiced by original cast members from the 1960s film The Dirty Dozen.
1: Oh, that's interesting did
0: across that. Yeah, um, Ernest Borgnine, uh, Jim Brown, George Kennedy, and Clint Walker all did voices for the Commando Elite. Uh, they apparently tried to get Richard Jekyll, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but he sadly died before the film was recorded, so they did not get him, and they replaced him with Bruce Stern, not a member of the Dirty Dozen, but a great actor and i don't know if this is true or not but apparently they might have tried to get charles bronson who was also in the dirty dozen and I, apparently he turned this movie down and shame on you charles bronson shame on you could have been so special it still was special it it it, it yes it's it had its moments for sure and conversely the gorgonites the space monster force-dwelling creatures uh, had a lot of the original cast of This Is Spinal Tap do their voices. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I did get the actors' names, but um, definitely not Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner was not one of the actors. But yeah, a lot of the Gorgonites were voiced by This Is Spinal Tap. Was Langula in that? <laughs> Yes, he was. Yes, he he, yeah, he did yeah. Archer. He's uh, he's Archer. No, no.
1: I, was he what? in This Is Spinal Tap? Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I I completely forgot that he was in this movie. He's he's still my Richard Nixon, but (laughs) seeing him do the voice of Archer, he was just, he was oh so perfect
0: for it. Yeah, he was really, really good. All right, so that's kind of our intro to this movie. We're going to take a short break, and when we're back, we're going to start breaking down Small Soldiers. Commandos, fall in. sir
3: yes
2: sir sir. sound off when you hear your name dick tapper sir pipe layer flushed and scrubbed sir corporal meat spin here sir who else sergeant flesh rocket sergeant flesh rocket reporting is ordered all right men and you all seriously understand why you are named after male genitalia sir because boys are terrified of playing with anything considered girly sir That is right, Corporal Meat Spin.
1: Sir, Private Cock and Balls is
2: also here. (laughs) Okay, Jesus, that is just too (laughs) on the (laughs) nose.
0: All right, we are back, and we're going to start this movie off with the late 90s Universal Studios logo, definitely showing its age.
1: Well, I wanted to. uh... To point out that two big corporation logos are preceded by the evil fictional corporation commercial,
0: which I just thought was a
1: wonderful placement.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. And then we go into um, an expositional fake corporate video for Globotech. It's the name of the fictional evil corporation in this movie. The corporate corporation corporate name couldn't be more corporate. It corporates the fuck out of this video. (laughs) (laughs) Just a lot of buzzwords and it lets us know that Dennis Leary is in charge. Dennis Leary is in this movie. And I got to I got to nitpick this corporate video a little bit because I'm a amateur military nerd and it really pissed me off. When they showed the tanks, so part of what this company does is make military technology, and the the lady who narrates the video says introducing advanced battlefield technology, and they show an M41 Walker Bulldog tank that was made back in the 50s. Okay, this is the late 90s, motherfuckers. We have the M1 Abrams at this point. What are you doing showing me this Bush League 50s tank as if it's cutting-edge technology? Fuck you, corporate video. That's what I was thinking.
1: I, I I was thinking, and I was kind of saving this for later. But I I have a feeling that Nick is a bit of a mesh of fimple at certain stages in this movie. Oh, when when he when he's saying World War Two was my favorite war, and his wife was drinking a gin and tonic, I was just I'm pretty sure I've had that conversation with Nick quite a few times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking the um, the Busey Leary factor where. They're never given a script, just direction, and just do what they do. That was Nick's version of it.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. I, I was not, no, that was unscripted. That was, I just get nerd rage when I see military mistakes like that. And I've never been in the military, so I have no reason to be this personally invested in military mistakes. I just get really pissed off by it. So, no, the M41 Walker Bulldog is not fucking cutting-edge technology in the late 90s movie god get woke anyways (laughs) i was i was raised in the military and i don't know any of this shit (laughs) worst military brat ever (laughs) I, i am so uh the video ends and we see that globotech evil corporation has taken over heartland toys now it's called heartland play systems because everything's got to be super corporate-y. We also get introduced to the most dramatic helicopter in movie existence. The music is epic. <laughs> because when Dennis Leary comes, y'all better fucking recognize. Because Dennis Leary <laughs> is coming to inspect the new division that they've inquired. Dennis
2: Leary's coming to inspect.
0: <laughs>
2: the drama
1: is justified. I do. I do always hear Dennis Leary's... Rant from Demolition
0: Man playing in my head Right before I see
2: him arrive on camera You'll have a new rant
0: I now have a new rant, yes we We have there. We, let's get to the Dennis Leary rant So we meet David Cross Who's a nerdy, anxiety-ridden, on-the-edge toy designer Who's really worried about the corporate takeover And Jay Moore is there Kind of telling him to chill the fuck out Let's just go meet with the new boss And so they're making their way to the conference room and they meet Dennis Leary's assistant, whose name is Ms. Cagle. Before we get there,
1: I I have something to point out. Did anyone else get distracted by the guy walking down the hallway with a chicken toy, looking at it really intensely, and then an egg hatches out of it? What? No. He walks into the far conference room and then just holds out his arms like Jesus I swear, it's almost, it must have been like one of those psychological tests where, you know, they they tell you to count the number of passes in basketball and there's a dancing bear that wanders through the middle. (laughs) There is a guy with a chicken toy, hatches an egg, walks down the hallway, enters the conference room and holds his hands out like Jesus.
2: You guys keep debating this. I'm going to pull it up and actually... (laughs) But he he
1: committed to, he he was going to hatch that egg and he was going to intensely walk down
0: that hallway. He he earned his 10 bucks an hour. He did. So anyways, they meet with Dennis Leary's executive assistant, whose name is uh, Miss Cagle. Don't ask her what she does for exercise. She's not allowed to tell you in a PG-13 movie. And she ushers them into the conference room to
1: get- Are you going to ignore the casual
0: chauvinism in that moment? Yes.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> because it's happened in two of the movies we've had. It it opens with a with an up and down look of this job does have its
0: perks. Oh yes, yes, no. I mean, I, I'm being facetious. There's a clear clear sexism yeah. in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just because there's been so we've been watching a lot of 90s stuff. I'm so desensitized to it already. <laughs> <laughs> And what made this weirdly different is
2: she's not sexualized at all. Her
0: her dress is... She could easily be a librarian.
2: Yeah, her wardrobe is not cut to be sexy. It's very matter-of-fact boxy, even very plain. Jay Moore's just... Female. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: The only thing I noticed from her was the earpiece from The
0: Matrix that she had. So I assumed she she was an agent. This inspired The Matrix. There it is. Well, we do have the running theory that all 90s movies are in The Matrix. And this just (laughs) confirms it. Okay, I did not see Guy with Chicken.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Was this before or after the board meeting? This Does is it... before,
1: in the hallway, where we're introduced. Hey, oh, okay. I'm going to rewind this. One. You
2: guys just keep talking about the movie. I'm going to keep watching this scene over and over again till I find the chicken. <laughs> we
1: we we all have to put this on hold while John finds the chicken. No,
2: no, 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 no! You're going to be like, like way later, where the you know when the girl toys come to life, and I'll be like, there
1: it is. My point about that moment was just that uh, I just don't remember this much objectifying of women
2: growing up. I mean, this is two movies. It's Well, it's just a thing because you're a kid. You're not aware of that sort I don't of know. Story. I
0: was pretty aware of what they were doing in Animaniacs when they said Hello, Nurse. That was pretty obvious. That is true. That is true.
2: But again, this woman is not done up like Hello, Nurse in any sort of fashion.
0: That's true. <laughs> Anyways, so they're in the conference room now, and David Cross is very nervous, and Dennis Leary walks in. And he. Oh, there it is. I hadn't rewound far enough the first time.
2: <laughs> John found the chicken. It's the very beginning. It's the very beginning of the hallway scene. I thought it was like while they were walking and talking, you know. Yeah, it's right. Like at the David beginning. Cross hasn't even entered the frame it yet. Starts, the... It
0: starts on the chicken. It
2: starts with it, yeah. Okay,
0: anyway, <laughs> cut that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we've spent we've been recording for twenty minutes, and nineteen of those minutes have been about this chicken. It's like we have never gotten through this movie.
1: This is how I torture John. I, I just I just mention <laughs> casual chickens
0: in movies and movies, and he just no, spends, just minutia. I was <laughs> searching for it. So Dennis Leary walks into the conference room and he just Dennis Leary's the shit out of the scene. Oh, Dennis Leary
2: plays Dennis Leary. It's fantastic. Yeah. In our pre-podcasting, when we would just get together and do movie night, every once in a while, Dennis Leary, but particularly Gary Busey, it's they're not given a script, just direction. (laughs) And so it's the it's it's the Busey Leary factor.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, he comes in, and he's just... I mean, it's a monologue that's straight out of any of his stand-up bits. Mm
1: -hmm. It really is, yeah. And I I do want to point out that as evil as this corporation is being portrayed, Dennis Leary full-on says, I want to put a lifetime lithium battery into this thing. And my note was that um, this corporation is already superior to Apple with its customer support.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, battery that never needs charging or replace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so Jay Moore tries to introduce himself and he's like, Hey, I'm gonna like forget your name two minutes after I leave here, pal. Put a pin in that. <laughs> oh, are
2: you thinking the same thing I'm thinking Yes.
0: Very end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So then he, you know, he he tells David Cross to pitch his ideas. You know, the reason why they've kept these two on, everyone else has been fired is because you guys have done good work. And Dennis not Dennis Leary, David Cross starts pitching these gorgonites which are these creatures they live in gorgon they come to earth and they are gonna you know through their interactions with people they're gonna teach kids a lesson and dennis leary basically has to stop himself from yelling boo nerd when he hears that the toys are educational (laughs) they're supposed to be trying to find their
1: home gorgon and kids can learn and research and as soon as research is, yeah
2: dennis leary has one of the greatest are you fucking kidding me faces yeah (laughs) Ever put to screen?
1: Some actors can just give you the finger with a look.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and as is one of them. Yes, he is. So then Jay Moore, sensing that David Cross is fucking this up, he pulls out a box, a high tech box, and he opens it up and he introduces Major Chip Hazard of the Commando Elite. And my music note here is uh, Clint Eastwood is about to shoot a guy in the Wild West.
1: My music note is quite similar. Guitar strum gave me goosebumps. Guitar strum made me slightly erect. (laughs) God, it has been a
0: long lockdown, hasn't it? (laughs) And then he says, oh, this is one of my favorite lines of the movie. He looks, uh, James Moore looks to David Cross and he says, it's multimedia, Irwin. Look into it. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns on a video. And I don't know. He apparently had time to produce a- He made a commercial. He made a commercial. to so was Starting off with the 2001 Space Odyssey music. And it shows Chip Hazard busting out of his box. And there's, hey, hey, can they really do that? Can a toy actually burst out of the box? And he goes on this rant, it's this corporate,
3: this CEO. is where the rant is. This Yeah. It yeah,
0: gives a Dennis Leary rant, a, a corporate CEO about how he's sick of beauty products, not actually making you hot and how the toy doesn't actually punch out of the box. He's a corporate CEO is sick of bullshit and advertising. It's <laughs> I'm already in love with this corporation. I want to work for Globotech right now. I have a Globotech tattoo somewhere I'm not allowed to say on air. (laughs) Spring
1: break, 98. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Damn, fake IDs were good for you 10-year-olds. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I looked rough at 10. I I could get into bars. (laughs) So Dennis, all right, cool. These these are great. Uh, Make the Gorgonites the bad guy. And David Cross is not happy about that. Dennis Leary gives the, another great line. What are you worried about? They're just toys. Well, I also wanted
1: to mention when Dennis Leary is pointing out these monsters are these hideous freaks and our soldiers need to hunt them down and vaporize them. I, I read a note, uh, Dennis Leary channels American foreign policy since 1960.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: this whole... A.K.A. this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, also, this movie, uh, gave Avatar its entire plotline. Absolutely. This yeah. is Avatar. This is Avatar. This is Avatar with toys. No wonder I was so pissed off at Avatar. Except for the shittily named MacGuffin. That is true. Yeah, true. yeah th- th- this at least had the decency to not name anything unobtanium. <laughs> <laughs> small soldiers more decent than Avatar. <laughs> I I I stand by
1: that quote. You can put that on the latest DVD box set if you like. Of Avatar? <laughs> no.
0: Small soldiers. At least we're not Avatar. <laughs> Avatar. Small soldiers did it better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Dennis Leary leaves, and Ms. Kegel exercises lets them know that they got three months. <laughs> to get this toy line launched. And they're like, oh, three months, holy fuck. And she gives them their security cards and secret passwords. And David Cross reads his password out loud. It's, ha, Gizmo. And she's, secret password, David Cross? God, why do I say these things? And Gizmo, obviously, name of the uh, mugwai from Gremlins. So Joe Dante's ref- referring to himself in this film. And then we cut to Jay Moore. He can't remember his password because he's trying to order microchips for these new toys. And he remembers David Cross's password and he logs in. And this means nothing. They make a whole fuss over this and it doesn't mean a damn thing to the story (laughs) it's not you know david cross doesn't get in trouble later for anything he doesn't try to blame stuff on david cross he does whine about having his password used just yeah he gets lightly but that's it yeah that's it that's it I can't believe you used my login. Yeah, there's three minutes of screen time dedicated to this fucking password shit, and it means nothing.
1: <laughs> the one that I was confused about is that on the screen there is a search, and then there's a literal search. And... Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> not, not, not sure what, what the difference would be there. <laughs> it's so you don't have to
2: put quotes around your
1: phrase. Ah, I see. Those air quotes are always very... Hard on the old wrists.
0: Yeah, if it's it's in case you don't want to do a figurative search, you know? <laughs> Those figurative searches. And of course, the name of the microchip uh, he orders, he orders these surplus military microchips from another division, and they are called the X-1000 because it's the 90s, and every machine has to have a something thousand after it.
2: X-1000! X is for extreme.
1: Extreme
0: <laughs> microchips, brother.
1: Worked for Terminator 2, right? The (laughs) Mm
0: T-1000? And so Jay Moore orders these chips, and his line here is, Hello, Mr. Chips. And I will give this movie credit. Its pun game is on point.
1: (laughs) Oh, it is so on point,
0: isn't it? They they rip on everyone when they, they get going. Oh, we get some tasty, tasty puns in this movie. Especially towards the end, they just... Pack them in there. We'll get there. But one thing in the plus column for this movie, excellent puns. And so then we get the opening credits and we see the toys are starting to get made. Uh, They're getting manufactured. The robotic under skeletons are being put together and the bodies of plastic are being put on top. And is it just me or is Chip Hazard super duper squinty? He's got, you know, full... He's got full blue, you know, round blue eyes underneath. And then they just cover up all of them with his really squinty eyes. It's because he's serious. Serious, or he's just constantly staring into the sun. I think that was just the motivation behind his facial expression.
1: The one note I had about the credits was that it feels a need to point out that Tommy Lee Jones is the voice of Chip Hazard. We know. (laughs) Everyone knows. (laughs) That first line was so awesome. He was so perfectly cast. Everyone knows this is Tommy Lee Jones. Credits, <laughs> you don't have to mention it. No. Just just say Tommy Lee Jones.
0: Yeah, he probably did two days in a voice booth and got probably the biggest paycheck in the entire film. <laughs> well deserved, though. Well deserved. And so now we meet our, our protagonist, whose name is Alan, played by Gregory Smith from Everwood. Uh, I'm just going to call him Alan. And he's riding his bike... And he arrives to this toy store called The Inner Child. And guys, I gotta say, I was super triggered by this shot because this is the Warner Brothers back lot. And I used to be a tour guide at Warner Brothers. And I immediately, I'm watching this movie, going into tour guide mode, I'm like, and that's just across the street from the place where they shot Casablanca. <laughs> Literally, across the street from this toy store is the exterior of Par- the Paris shot in Casablanca. <laughs>
1: Alright, oh, tour guide, do you have an answer for this question? Why why the hell there's an Oktoberfest banner earlier in the shot? <laughs> um, Because it's fall, obviously. It was so pointless. I don't know why they needed the Oktoberfest banner.
2: Because any other movie would have to like have the text appear mid to late autumn, 1998. <laughs> it, it gives you a setting. You got small town where they put banners across the street for the festival. It gives you setting, time, place, and all of it. Good. Even though it doesn't look like fall at all anywhere
0: nope not at all I mean everyone's kind of like wearing sweaters so maybe that's why maybe that indicates that okay I'm gonna do one last tour guide fact and then I'll I'll stop <laughs> thank God for editing but um, so the, the toy store is also the coffee shop that Emma Stone works in in La La Land shot in the same place never saw nobody gives a fuck okay so that's gonna. Get-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go. Hmm. Interesting. Now, never speak of it again.
2: <laughs>
0: that is decades out of the purview of this podcast. Point being, I was triggered by the shot. So outside, there are a couple of kids looking inside with their grandma, and they're like, "Come on, grandma, let's leave. The toys in here suck." And they do. The toys <laughs> suck. <laughs> they do. Actually. They do. Yeah, they say that. And the toys suck. You go inside, and it- there's no brand names anywhere. It's all. Stuff that would probably have delighted children in the 30s, but we learn later that this is all by design because Alan's dad's a weirdo. Basically, anyone who's been to a Cracker
2: Barrel before... When you first walk in, they have like a little toy section. This is an entire store, the size of that crack of entire Cracker Barrel, just full of that sort of toys. Perfect.
1: There's a mechanical train, there's a Viking boat, there's a bunch of stuffed toys.
0: There's a boat, but not Vikings. (laughs) And so he starts talking to uh, Joe, who's the delivery truck guy. Um, talking about how his dad is going to go to a seminar called How to Make a Success of Your Small Business. And I don't think you need to go to a seminar for someone to tell you to sell toys that people want to buy. You don't need to spend money to learn that. And he sees the boxes in the back of Joe's truck that say Commando Elite and Gorgonites. And he's like, hey, what's that about? And Joe says, let's find out. And that's when Joe got fired. No, not real. <laughs> the
3: like worst say. <laughs> delivery man ever. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: it becomes very apparent really soon. That Alan and his family are new in town. Somehow Joe has been his best friend his entire life is the way this relationship comes across.
0: Yeah, so much so that Joe is willing to risk his job by taking two of these toys that have not been released yet. He takes out a Chip Hazard doll and he takes out an Archer, Leader of the Gorgonites doll. And they open the packages inside the (laughs) store to take a look at them i think the idea is
1: that joe is just really fuck you to corporations and it's really i love small business and so anything he can do to screw with big corporations is fine joe
2: is amazing alan offers the idea that for the store to be successful he should burn it down and joe tells him that's not funny because arson investigation
0: is very good nowadays. <laughs> yes he does he's giving the kid <laughs> insurance fraud advice yeah <laughs> And so what Alan does, he takes a look at he's like, hey, give me a set of these toys on credit and I'll pay you back when I've sold them. And no, that's not how anything works. Joe <laughs> right. no, these have all been paid for. And come on, Joe, I'm good for it. And he's, uh, maybe I can lose the paperwork or something. So you're going to lose the paperwork for the whole shipment, Joe? Or is each set its own? No, this isn't going to work. Yeah,
2: as someone who works in shipping and receiving, every single item on a fucking truck gets its own sheet of paper, let me tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing. The whole tension in this movie goes away when you apply any sort of logic because it's okay if you're going to lose the paperwork and it's already been paid for and there's probably insurance involved you're just giving him free toys he doesn't need to pay you back just give him the fucking toys lose the paperwork or i don't know say you lost it right but this plot point is never the point of tension in this movie. It's its the, its underlying. It's there throughout. They do refer back to it. Yeah, yeah. I think Alan has sent... I really need to pay back Joe and stuff. And no, you don't, Alan. No, you don't. But Joe decides, <laughs> don't talk so loud, you know, because otherwise somebody will hear you. And your criminal mastery at 13. Yeah, your criminal mastery at 13. Because basically, Alan wants to like get these toys that would actually sell to make this stupid toy store some money, which is admirable... The way they do it's stupid, but he gets the toys.
2: And it'll absolutely never, ever come back to him. No one will ever be like, hey, you got any more of those toys we actually liked? And the dad will be like, what toys? Oh, you know. Blah, blah, blah. What the fuck? Where did these come from, Alan? (laughs) And
0: then they have to move again. We're almost there. So Alan (laughs) is starting to set stuff up for the commando elites and the gorgonites and the music here is love is a battlefield by pat benatar you're skipping the little battle between
1: chip and archer in the background whilst he's setting it up that's an ongoing thing though like they come to life i wanted to bring up the fact that the cgi was bloody seamless i mean it took it's this is three years after mortal Kombat, and somehow They figured this
2: shit out. I was about to say, you're holding this up like Mortal Kombat is some standard to reach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I judge all movies by Mortal Kombat
2: CGI standard now. Dude, I mean, we saw Mortal Kombat, and you know what? It's amazing what they were able to pull off within three years.
0: (laughs) So, anyways, Alan is setting stuff up to Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. This movie has an incredible soundtrack that in no way reflects the culture of 90s kids. This is all some like very true. 30-something, 40-something dudes wrote this movie with music from their childhood, and it's got nothing to do with 90s kids. And so we meet Kirsten Dunst, who's shown up with her brat of a brother who wants a toy. And they walk into the store and the little kids, I wanted to go to Toy World. And Kirsten Dunst becomes my hero when she says, well, life is full of disappointments. Yes. Damn right,
1: Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst predicts life is what I wrote.
2: <laughs> this is where the movie has me. I was along for the ride. And then Kirsten Dunst, who can't be more than 12 is already world weary enough to be like, yeah, well, suck it up.
0: <laughs> uh, millennial angst summed up right in this mo- this one scene. So the little brother wanders around trying to find a toy while Kirsten Dunst and Alan are talking. And this is when archer and chip has it they're fighting in the back room and the little brother gets shot in the head as he walks into the back room uh which elder siblings everywhere are loving
1: i also i also said that casual civilian
0: shooting mimics american foreign policy <laughs> this movie predicted the iraq war and the little brother kind of lets slip that uh kirsten dunce plays with these things called gwendy dolls and like, Shh, shut the fuck up the, I know that I'm playing with dolls, little shit. And she says, "Hey, um, can can you hold? Because the kid wants the archer and the chip hazard. Like, hey, can you hold those until tomorrow?" Alan says he will, and we've learned that Kristen Dunst has a boyfriend, a biker boyfriend. Because we I got say, a, and he's cool because he got a motorcycle. He's got a motorcycle. He's got an earring in one ear, and Alan clearly has a crush. But gosh, how could he ever get her? If she's got a boyfriend. Maybe if he took his flannel shirt and tied it around his waist. And then he's a 90s bad boy. <laughs> well, we will later learn that he is a 90s bad boy. Don't
2: let the very 90s, but very much not a bad boy, bowl cut fool you.
0: <laughs> yes, he's got...
2: Oof. He, this kid's got issues.
0: So he goes into the back and Chip Hazard has Archer cornered. With a compass. With a compass. And he says, meet death with honor, coward. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, as soon as he walks in they they stop fighting they just go back into their toy poses and my first thought is do these dolls have to follow toy story rules no
2: because Braddy little brother walks in he's like halt civilian and fucking shoots him in the forehead with like a toothpick or something
0: yeah so for some people they don't give a fuck about exposing themselves others they're like nope i'm just a toy just don't mind me being a toy
2: this has less rules than Mortal
0: Kombat. This <laughs> has yeah, way fewer. <laughs> yeah, and the one rule they do have doesn't seem to be equally applied. It's sometimes you have to be a toy, and other times, who gives a fuck? Murder the humans
1: when they clarify them as gorgons. I think that's when they decide to turn on the humans.
0: Uh, well,
2: it's 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 that they are allies of the gorgons and therefore deserve no
0: mercy. Sorry, gorgonites. Yeah, guys, it's the gorgonites. Can't get it right. I, I swear, you guys. Uh, They didn't get oppressed by the commando elite just to be called Gorgons. (laughs) So Alan realizes that his dad has left his plane tickets in the store and he's got to rush home to give his dad his plane tickets. So this dad who has left his son to run the store by himself is a complete klutz has left his tickets there.
2: And is searching for his keys that are in his pocket.
0: So we cut back to Alan's house and his, yeah, his dad's a total fucking airhead. And his mother who, is dressed either as an airline stewardess, I think we were discussing this before the record, or maybe a hotel worker or something. She's works at a job that requires a, a uniform.
2: While I was looking for the chicken and reopened the movie, I saw how she was dressed. And yeah, I agree. It could be an airline counter or hotel front desk. And unless that's the official colors, it's apparently also St. Patrick's Day.
0: <laughs> of course. <laughs> we have to have all the holidays. She
2: looks like she's pulling off some leprechaun. She
0: is an air stewardess for Aer Lingus. That's canon now. <laughs> and so, yeah, so basically she's clearly the only person who makes money because like we've been told that the store doesn't make any money. And so he's freaking out about going on this trip And she has to calm him down, even though she bears, like, all the financial responsibility of this family, which is absurd.
2: Well, and apparently the dad has anger issues, but he's played by Kevin Dunn, who is the most non-threatening man in existence. (laughs) Yes. He always seems shorter than he actually is. He's always the one getting stepped on, no matter what. You know, Rolly's in.
1: I think I think when it transitioned from a teenage movie to a kids movie, which is a transition that actually happened, I think they made him they made him more comforting, probably.
0: So we're outside in Kristen Dunst's backyard, and we meet her dad, and her dad is Phil Hartman. Phil fucking Hartman, who is not in this movie enough. This is his last on-screen appearance. He died before the movie was released, which is tragic and all i can hear whenever he talks is troy mcclure from the simpsons
1: (laughs) well they have another simpsons voice involved as well they have harry shearer they do have harry Shearer. he plays one of the the gorgonites and he also you can hear his voice on the radio and the tv when they cut to radio and tv
0: so phil phil hartman is putting up a giant satellite dish in his backyard but the tree in Alan's dad's backyard is blocking the correct angle. And the we also see Kristen Dunst's mom, who's played by Wendy Shawl, who is Francine on American Dad. So in the th- three episodes we've done, we've had two American Dad actors. Somehow. Somehow. Alan's dad hears a noise in the backyard, comes out to find Phil Hartman, is trying to cut his tree down. <laughs>
1: Breaks out the chainsaw, doesn't even say <laughs>
2: the quick knock on the door, just goes
0: straight to chainsaw. Straight to chainsaw. Yeah,
2: there's a fence between them. The tree is clearly not on his property, and he's just Ah, oh, don't worry, I'm sure the county'll see it my way. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do
0: it. And Alan's dad's like no, we'll talk about this when I get back from my conference and he's like, Alright, alright. As soon as he leaves, he just cuts down the Branch that's going on to his yeah doesn't give a fuck (laughs) chopping limbs out. He's the smarmy entitled next door neighbor, and Alan shows up on his bike and gives his dad his ticket. And there's a whole again the the doting wife trope is just really strong in this scene. Again, even though she's clearly the one who makes all the money, she's doting on him going to his stupid fucking conference.
2: This moment really captivated me because again, there is nothing threatening about Alan at all. And this just keeps teasing what a delinquent he is. Because he shows up be like, hey, dad, you forgot your ticket. And in any other movie, it'd be, thanks, son. What the fuck? You left the store?
0: Did you at least
2: lock up? Did you
0: put the, did you
2: balance the register?
0: Did you do the- Oh, yeah. The mom is absolutely nagging him about all of this. And he's like, God, you act like I burnt the school down. He didn't, but close. <laughs> but again, it was
2: that, okay. What the hell has this kid done in the past?
0: That, yeah, he's clearly done
2: something. Anything he does gets questioned, even though they put him in charge of a fucking store by himself. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> but it has
1: been established that you know he's done something in his past.
2: Yes, that's that I know, but what I'm saying, this just keeps adding more of that. Okay, what was it? Just how bad was it? I really want to know. Good job, movie. I'm saying what I'm saying is good job.
1: It's intriguing, movie. right? Yeah, yeah, it's intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm sorry i'm trying too hard to compliment this movie (laughs) no
0: it's no it's good no it definitely deserves uh, there's a lot that goes right with this movie yeah so alan goes up to his room it's basically has the whole attic area to himself it's a pretty baller room and all i am thinking looking through it he's got a computer and he's got a telescope and all I can, th- he's got a TV in there and all I can think of is he's got a lot of nice stuff for a family that doesn't sell toys <laughs> for a broke ass family. He's got a lot of nice shit. This is a very white house. Yeah. <laughs> very Caucasian.
2: Wait till you see
0: Phil Hartman. <laughs> boy, Gets even (laughs) whiter. So we learn that Archer has snuck back home in Alan's backpack. It seems to just give basic voice responses. And it starts saying, beware, there will be no mercy. And don't know how it gets to this point, but it starts to respond to what Archer starts to respond to what Alan's saying. He
1: says his name and then he says Alan's name back.
0: Yes, but no, but first he says, well, hi, my name is Archer, emissary of the Gorgonets. What is your name? And it's Alan, now shut up. And he says, greetings, Alan, now shut up.
1: Exactly. And this is the beginning of of how how Alan just absolutely abuses the crap out of Archer. I mean, the the mental abuse going on between Alan and Archer is really quite staggering when I look back on it.
0: Oh, yeah. Alan is an absolute dick to this toy. He is
1: such a dick to
0: Archer just throughout this entire movie. And again, my thoughts are why is Archer being so coy? Why is he playing like he's a toy? You know, again again, are are is is he does he have to follow Toy Story rules? Because he's just following his programming when just now he
2: I don't think it's Toy Story rules though.
1: I think there's an explanation later on. But whether it justifies it, I'm not sure. I'll I'll let you know when we get there.
2: I said their program is sort of to hide and blend in, right? So that would be why act like a
0: toy. But he's also trying to get help for the Gorgonites because the Commando Elite are coming after them. So surely he, it's in his interest to be, like, hey, Alan, now shut up. We need to. Can you help me with my buddy the Gorgonites? These Commando Elite fucks are going to kill them.
2: Well, there's a runtime that we have to make.
0: Ah, so. I think you found it, John. So now we're back at the toy store. It's nighttime. And all I can think of is I can't believe this is shot on the same street as Casablanca. Seriously, this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not bad, but it's not Casablanca. And Chip Hazard, inside the store, punches his way out of the box, just like he did in the commercial. They made it happen. Uh, Kind of like the sketch that played earlier. Uh, They have a, a lineup of the soldiers And the names of these commandos is amazing. You have Butch Meat Hook, Nick Nitro. Uh, By the way, I'm going to need you guys to call me Nick Nitro from now on. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Brick Bazooka and Link Static. Oh, and Kip Killigan kip killigan's island was a short-lived tv show back in the early 60s oh jesus i thought it was a
1: pun on kill again i guess oh it
0: was it was i've just (laughs) taken it to a crazy extreme and is it just me so their 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 belt buckles glow and is it just Mm -hmm. me or do they look like ss insignia like nazi ss insignia Got a skull and kind of a crossbones ish. It looked very Nazi ish. Well, I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, again, military historian here. This is all I think, think it's about. Just you. And they all they all look grotesque. They have really weird yes. heads and faces. A uh, brick bazooka in particular looks like a Tim Burton character from The Nightmare Before Christmas with just a permanently toothy smile that all the teeth all the teeth he has all the teeth
1: i love
2: brick bazooka i think he's a brilliant character <laughs> so well. yeah it doesn't take away the fact that he's one ugly ugly son of a bitch
1: yeah there is one thing this movie does really well when it comes to establishing characters is are these wonderful pov shots that bring out the character so much which is clearly a rip on
2: uh, terminator yes because yes
0: it ha- and it happens right now Because we're now back in Alan's room And Archer is just watching him sleep curve, And it says Yeah, it's through th- through Terminator vision Because all tech post-Terminator You have to watch, like look through their eyes in Terminator vision It says, name, Alan, now shut up Status off <laughs> That's
2: such a great joke
0: and I just thought that, that was so
1: beautiful. I loved it. It's just that li- those little intricate details are often sometimes just the difference.
0: <laughs> oh, no, it was great. It was much better than the Terminator vision in, in Mortal Kombat.
2: Mortal. Oh, yeah, with Kano. That's oh, what. God, tell me about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Archer starts clicking through on Alan's computer. He's going through Encarta.
2: Yeah, because you know how easily you can scroll through things just by pressing the right? button <laughs> yeah just left clicking on the mouse i mean right mouse button not,
0: not <laughs> hitting the right arrow key he
1: clicks his way through incarta yeah but i just i just put it as a note oh pre-wikipedia that no one ever used
0: motherfucker i used incarta <laughs> all the time and that microsoft home suite i was i microsoft incarta <laughs> microsoft oceans microsoft flight i was all about that when i was a kid
1: Oh, we had it, but it was just never used. It was always just that one program that your parents got you just to try and make it seem like it was educational that they got you this computer. We had encyclopedias from the 50s.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe 60s.
1: (laughs) I think we did
0: too. (laughs) Oh, man. You don't want to read the article on Jim Crow from that encyclopedia set. (laughs) Oh,
1: God. Now you got me curious. Next time I go home, if those books are still there, I'm
2: actually gonna do it. Wacky beloved children's animation character Jim Crow has adventures <laughs> oh, through, the- <laughs> through, the, through, the, through the sunny fields of western Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> As he sings the song of the South. <laughs> this is what happens when you let me improv. No. How the hell did we get here? This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god
2: that'll be a special feature one day
0: just the tangents (laughs) the tangents yeah okay so a cat comes up uh, Alan's cat comes up to Archer and starts licking him why? why does the cat lick the plastic thing? why is the cat acting like a dog with a new friend? and so Alan this is even the crazier bit it wakes him up (laughs) it wakes him up and not only does it wake him up he sees the cat licking Archer and from this, he somehow deduces that Archer is smarter than he lets on because he got licked by a cat. That's what I got out of this moment.
2: Cats identify intelligence through their tongues. <laughs>
0: Well, I was more
1: distracted by the fact that uh, he threatens to murder Archer right after realizing that he's sentient. He said, "If he finds if he finds a virus on his computer, he's headed for the microwave." This is right after you realize that Archer is sentient AI.
0: Right, and he only finds out that he's sentient after he puts him through a couple of tests. He like tells him to walk to the end of the table and realize his name's just Allen. Yeah, my name is just Allen. Okay, just... I was expecting him to be like, "Okay, just Allen." No, goddamn it, you know what I meant. <laughs> but no, luckily they didn't. They didn't do that joke because it would have been too obvious.
1: That would have been just yeah,
2: a little too. <laughs> they already had Alan. Now shut up. That was
0: although he does call him Alan, Keeper of Encarta. <laughs> yeah. Which see, he's even smarter than he was letting on. And then this next scene is oh god, Chef's kiss, brilliant. It's oh yeah. I couldn't decide
2: whether it was because it's way too cliche now. But was it then, or was it just fucking genius?
0: Oh, so I mean, it's genius (laughs) in the way it makes fun of all those cliches. (laughs) That's why it's genius. So he's put up an American flag in the background, and he's doing the opening scene from Patton. But it was a jigsaw puzzle because it's the lame ass toy store. Yes. It's a
2: jigsaw puzzle American flag.
0: Such a yeah. This is when the
2: this is when the movie is just pure good. It's just you can tell everyone's having fun when it comes
3: to stuff like this.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant design, brilliant choices. And Tommy Lee Jones gets to say every military movie cliche from the past fifty
0: years. In one monologue. He goes through all of them. So, and so they even got the music from Patton, which was amazing. So, the music from Patton's playing, it's like the opening scene, and he's like, Man, we don't make the don't die for your country, make the other bastard die for his. And then he just keeps going, like meshing them together flawlessly. Well, he
1: measures it. Yeah, he says, No one ever. Won a war by dying for his country. He won it by being the best that he can be. Damn the torpedoes. Or give me
0: death. (laughs) And and at the end, he's like, don't ask what your country can do for you, but only regret that you have but one life to give.
1: (laughs) Uh, fucking brilliant! So beautiful so gibberish.
0: I love it. The best gibberish. It's just perfectly <laughs> encapsulates all those cliches. And then they start fucking up the Gorgonites. We we, we have a nice <laughs> shot of the outside, and you just hear the sounds of chaos from inside. And the next day, the toy store is just a mess. Alan puts a clothes sign up, and <laughs> Archer looks at parts of one of the Gorgonites that have been left over from the battle and goes, Alas, poor Troglocon.
1: Yeah, he's he's fully acknowledging that one of his friends just got brutally dismembered and murdered and thrown in front of him.
0: And he does uh he quotes Shakespeare, which
1: is great. Yeah.
0: And uh, Alan
1: is pretty dismissive. Yeah, sorry. Oh well. This is this is the beginning of Alan being a dick to AI.
2: If only if only Kirsten Dunts could have just been there to give life as is- Disappointment.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Speech to, to yep. Life is full of disappointments. So she shows up. I mean, she yeah, I was about to say, she shows up, but they don't let her in on what's really going down yet. So. No, but she she talks her because she's there to buy the toys for her brother. She talked her parents into buying them for him. And she looks into the wreck toy store and her first reaction is... Are you trying to pull off some kind of insurance scam? He said stories. Because again, this kid's got issues and yeah, and everyone in town
2: knows about him. We still don't know yet.
0: Yeah, I heard you got kicked out of 10 different schools before you moved here and he's, it was more like two. (laughs) So yeah, he got kicked out of two different schools and you could just see... Kirsten Dunst get turned on by this. She is very, <laughs> very much into bad boys.
2: Well, she was, man, I thought motorcycles were crazy but
0: actual crazy. <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't think it's just her getting turned on. We'll get into this later, but I think this is game recognizing game. Yes. We're, we'll get there. She helps them cl- Her she helps them clean up the toy store. And again, because the writers of this movie don't know any 90 songs except the one which Again, we'll get into it in a minute. She's like, do you like Led Zeppelin? And like, yeah, it's my favorite band. I mean, like, look, Led Zeppelin's awesome, but in the 90s, we were talking about bands that we heard in the 90s for the most part. We were talking about the... I wish
1: I'd actually heard Led Zeppelin in the 90s. I thought I hated all music because everyone was obsessed with Spice Girls, and so I thought I must hate all music. But if I'd been introduced to Led Zeppelin,
0: that might have been different.
1: Very true. So you never heard any other music? No, I heard other music, but Spice Girls was popular. And he, that was Yeah, cool. he
0: grew up in England in the 90s, so it was they only were allowed to listen to Spice Girls <laughs> by Decree of the Queen. No, it's got a
1: retro charm to it now, but honestly, when you heard it two million times on every car radio, you just... Well,
2: they finally made it here, and yeah, you heard a million... Actually, the first time I ever... Yeah, this is one of those tangents. The first time I remember they were they were uh, the music guest on Saturday Night Live, and they did the song Wannabe, and I remember my brother and I sitting there watching this going, what the fuck is this?
1: <laughs> well, that was me in the 90s, John. <laughs> it, was, it was still 90s, just later. Uh, and it wouldn't go away. <laughs> no,
3: they wouldn't.
1: Sorry to our female audience. I'm pretty sure we lost any female listeners that
0: we've... Oh, let's not <laughs> pretend that women listen to us. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> well, well, th- well, this is going to have to like be cut out and put further along in the episode because <laughs> there is the Spice Girls song later. So, <laughs> Or maybe we'll just rehab this conversation, but... <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Uh, They were cleaning up the store. Cleaning up the store. X-Files and Led Zeppelin. X-Files. Yes, um, they both like X-Files. And I recognize one of the games in this store because I own this game. It's called Takeoff. You'll notice in the back, it's in the right of the store if you're walking into it. It's called Takeoff, and it's it's an educational game where you have to fly your plane across the world, and you have to roll colored dice because you can only go across certain certain colored routes. I, I it was it was lame. I played awesome. I played it twice, and it has stayed in the box ever since. So
2: yeah, it sounds amazing.
0: And
1: now
2: you've shared it with us.
0: <laughs> yes, you're welcome podcast listener
2: yes and now our worlds are that much dimmer <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they're fixing up the viking boat and we learn what alan did to get kicked out of all of these schools he did graffiti he flooded the teacher's bathroom and he called in a bomb scare and again Kirsty
2: called a fucking bomb scare
0: yeah And, again, Kirsten Dunst is so turned on by all of this. Or, again, just excited to have another fucking freak move into town. And the dad comes in to check up on him after he's gotten back from his conference. And this motherfucker... Wait, wasn't this just one night? This was one night, yeah. This is the day after he flew away. He He was
2: supposed to have all the toys... (laughs) sold by the time his dad got back. Okay, long weekend, maybe a week, something like that. Nope, overnight trip. He's back the
0: next day, yeah. And this motherfucker has the nerve, the fucking nerve to be pissed off at Alan because the mast of the boat has been snapped, and he was trying to put it back together. You fuck... And he re-snaps it. Yeah. He re-snaps it, and he's like, motherfucker, you left your teenage child to run your <laughs> primary <laughs> source of income. And you have the fucking testicular fucking fortitude to look him in the face and be pissed off at him because he made one fucking mistake, you piece of shit.
1: Sorry, this guy did not like the dad. Maybe maybe I just had a, a, a more harsh dad than you guys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh,
2: no, again, this is, again, this is but it's Kevin Dunn. So he's really pissed off, but it seems like all you have to do is walk up to him and give him a pound of the shoulder, and be like, "Oh, come on, big guy. And he'd be like,
1: yeah, true, let's go yeah. get some ice cream. I think that softens it a little for me. It's it's just purely the actor.
0: Just yeah. It... So uh, he sends Alan home and Kirsten Dunst has snuck Archer out so that Kevin Dunn won't see him. And Kirsten Dunst goes off with her her biker boyfriend. And what? How did you get to the store? Are you... Because she drives a scooter. So you're going to leave your scooter at the toy store? Did you walk here? Were you not distracted at all by the talk of burning the school
1: down? And then Alan... Alan says, "Yep, just to watch it burn."
2: Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Alan is Joker. I forgot to bring that Alan up. Thank Joker. you, Julian. <laughs> yes, or Alan is the guy that Alfred was telling the story about how
0: some people just want to watch the world
1: burn. He was, he was that thief. He was <laughs> that <laughs>
0: thief. <laughs> yeah, and this is all in response to the the boy, the the biker boyfriend being oh yeah i heard you burnt down the taunting him because of his reputation because alan already has a reputation in this town
1: and then when she before she gets on the bike it's the line you
2: can cheer me on did that actually work did those lines actually work oh it was about he had a game or a practice or something which i think it's a practice it was a scrimmage
1: i think that's Two teams, and you can come cheer me on. Yeah, come oh, cheer me
0: on at my practice. I I don't know. The scrimmage is a practice game, basically. It's it's
2: no, seriously, does really? <laughs> come on, sweetie, you can cheer me on, and then we'll go get a malt. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>
3: just...
2: <laughs> it fe- it felt
0: very 60s. We'll dance the sock hop or something. Yeah, <laughs> we got some very big rebel without a cause vibes. From parts of this movie. <laughs> so, Dad goes into the back room and discovers that his wordworking tools are missing. Pin in that. Alan is now biking home, but the commando elite have been watching him from a tree across the road. Yes. And they know that he has Archer. And they have laid a trap for him. And all I could think of during the sequence was, how do they know which route Alan is going to take home? <laughs> it's true actually <laughs> they've never yes, movie. met him because movie but yeah they've never met him they've not there's definitely not been enough time for them to observe his you know travel patterns
1: but for me it didn't bother me because as soon as they said you know prepare to fire the bazooka and the guy called bazooka gets put in the slingshot <laughs> I, I, was, I was just yeah. you yeah know, so they shoot brick
0: it. bazooka they slingshot him <laughs> at Alan's bike and Alan doesn't notice at all that this heavy ass toy is being dragged by his bike and then this dog comes and we get another one of those awesome Terminator visions yes. it's a Gorgonite question mark because he's getting chased by a dog Gorgonite canine core <laughs> and he and again because their pun game is on point he yells at the dog watch it or I'll have your dog tags <laughs> It's just every pun gets used. It's so...
1: (laughs) I know some people hate puns, but every so often they'll just tickle you a little. Oh, this
0: movie's got the best (laughs) puns. And so Brick Bazooka's trying to climb up the back of the bike to get to Archer, who's in Alan's backpack, but he misses his footing or something and his legs get torn off. Brick Bazooka's legs get torn off and he falls off the bike. With a Wilhelm scream, by the way. With a Wilhelm scream, yes, yes, but there's a regular scream before it.
2: <laughs> where it's 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 brick bazooka's normal like rah rah, and then. Rah! <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I think I think the editor just really had to put two
0: in this movie. <laughs> so the rest of the commandos come and they start putting brick bazooka back together, and conveniently, Chip Hazard sees. Alan's bike parked just down the road. And we get another great pun. It's a small world after all.
1: Oh, yes. Feel that, Disney. (laughs) Feel that, Disney. (laughs) That's the one line I remembered from my childhood right before we watched this movie. That was the first line that came to mind.
0: (laughs) So now we're back in Alan's room. And this is a fantastic scene because Alan has called Globotech Customer Service about the tours. Is this Sherry O'Terry? It might be the, the the customer service lady. Yeah. Possibly. Again, we didn't do the research budget. No, we, we have no research budget here at Millennial Rewind. Our <laughs> research budget is us looking up stuff. Yes. And so she gives a very smarmy, welcome to Globotech customer service. How may I delight you today? Really smarmy. So much so that you think she's a machine and... Alan gets really pissed off with her (laughs) very quickly. And he's like, no, I want, let me speak to a machine. Yes. The first person ever to have uttered that phrase yes i know yes let me
2: talk to your automated system <laughs> has never been
1: uttered in the history <laughs> of customer service ever never
0: such a fantastic movie and she says just to, to be super bitchy back to him just, have a nice day ma'am Look, i'm not a ma'am Oh. <laughs> why'd you call me a girl a boy your balls haven't dropped
2: yet i'm a boy you called in a bomb threat and yells at
0: yeah, my toys. I'm super badass call me sir
2: i'll burn down your fucking workplace <laughs> just to watch it burn.
0: Cause he just follows that
1: up with being an absolute douche to Archer. This is, there's a lot of psychological abuse <laughs> that Archer is getting to learn.
0: All right. So uh, we cut to Jay Moore giving a presentation back at the big evil company about the commando elite and uh, Miss Cagle exercises comes in and she's dressed in camo military uniform. Why? I don't know why she is partaking like this, but she is dressed up as a soldier. And Dennis Leary remembers Jay Moore's name. Remember how he said earlier that, you know, he was going to forget his name after two minutes? Well, he didn't. I think his name's Kevin in the movie. That's not what <laughs> I was thinking. Larry. Larry, yeah. So David Cross comes in. He's like, dude, dude, I've got a problem. And. For They go to his office, and for some reason, Alan's voicemail is on his computer. Why is David Cross going through customer service messages? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> and this is where David Cross learns that Jay Moore used super high-tech military chips in the Commando Elite toys.
1: Which uh, brings to mind the most notable fact, how did no one else red flag it if it was such a <laughs> stupid, insane
2: idea because dennis leary fired 90 percent of the company and there's just too much fucking paperwork to go through
0: i mean on the munition side on the people (laughs) okay we're gonna meet the military ship guy later but yeah surely he would have gotten that order no that's stupid we're not giving you this for our toys oh the toy company has
1: ordered eight tomahawk missiles well i'm just here to sign the the
2: clipboard you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with that guys there's surplus (laughs) I mean, thank God someone's willing to buy them. Otherwise, they're just going to keep lying around here. I guess so. And I'm proud to be an American. (laughs) I still remember the sign language to that when we had to do a thing in third grade. (laughs) (laughs) At least I know I'm free.
0: (laughs) So, uh, Archer is upstairs and he thinks he hears his Gorgonite buddies and goes to investigate it. But it is a commando elite ambush and alan doesn't hear this because he's taking his nap in the most 90s way possible listening to a discman so he doesn't hear any of this so he he's, he's just being a douche to archer yeah he was being a dick to archer before he went to bed just telling him to shut up he doesn't want to talk to him like poor guy he just wants to get back to fucking gorgon asshole he
1: just wants to he just doesn't want to be killed <laughs> Yeah, well, I just want to get some fucking sleep,
2: so shut up.
1: It's not real. His best friend just got massacred. All of his other friends are missing, presumed dead. (laughs) And all he wants to do is just live. And, you know, when Kirsten Dunst comes to visit him in the shop, he he says, we must find the Gorgonites. Alan shoves a hat over his mouth. Yeah, because he's trying to get laid, duh. I mean... I know teenagers are the worst, but did we have to
0: put the worst one in the movie? Look, nobody wants to get cock-blocked by a sentient toy, okay? That's just not on anybody's list.
1: AI's getting in the way of me getting laid,
0: man. So Alan goes downstairs to the kitchen where the commando elites have strung Archer up over the garbage disposal. Yes! And so the commandos see him. And they're interrogating him. Yeah, they're interrogating him. And so the commandos see Alan and they scram. They just piece the fuck out because they're terrified of him or whatever reason. And Archer is starting to be lowered slowly into the garbage disposal, but... Alan saves him and then Nick Nitro comes out of nowhere and he's got a mini circular saw and he gives Alan. It looks like a rotary tool. It's a little Dremel, Yeah. Thing. Cutting wheel on that. And he cuts Alan with it And the most awkward editing of the film. It's just Alan and him are standing off. Cut. Alan is now bleeding. There's no <laughs> there's no contact. It's really weird. So Alan takes the saw, releases Archer, cuts the. Thing. You didn't pick up on the pun. You've
1: met your match, as he had a had a match. I yeah.
0: this movie could be measured in puns per minute, <laughs> so I don't think <laughs> I, I, I was able to get them all. But yes, that that I do recall that now. And so he grabs Nick Nitro and he puts him in the garbage disposal and just slices his legs off. This was brutal. We were talking about this earlier. This was just some visceral violence against, and it's just a toy, and it's not real. The toy destruction in this
1: movie is total
0: recall level.
1: It is really up there with the Bundy camp.
0: (laughs) And so Nick the parents come down, and Nick Nitro escapes out the window, hobbling on his arms, and the parents freak out at Alan. They see his, you know, he's got his cut his hands, and they're asking him. You know what's going on, and he confesses to buying the toys, and he tells them that they're alive, and they don't believe that the toys are alive. And again, why does Archer not talk to the parents? Why does he follow Toy Story rules in this moment?
1: Well, there is a scene afterwards where he, because I I put that down too, but the subsequent scene when uh, Alan talks to him, he says, "Why didn't you talk?" And he plays back the recording of Alan saying, "Don't talk to me, not a word."
3: Yeah, so they did. Try they tried
1: to address, to address it. One.
0: There's a lot. Uh, there, I will ding this movie. There's a lot of moments where they try to address things and they fail spectacularly. Uh, and then this is great from the mother. She says, "Alan, I need to ask you this. Are you on crank?" <laughs> and, like, my <laughs> like, list off all these drugs. Oh, like, are you, drug? are you on this drug? Are you on this drug? Are you doing? And as a '90s kid, I feel very. Seen. I gotta say,
2: I did not see that coming. At all. I, I just <laughs> lost it at that point.
1: I mean that's where my mind went. I mean if my kid was talking about the toys coming alive and <laughs> attacking me with knives,
2: that's that's probably what I, <laughs> I would go. Yeah, but it's it's not again. Alan, are you really okay? Do we need to get you some help with
0: something? Is there something you want to talk to us about? Alan, are you on crank? <laughs> are you on crank? Yeah. Uh, do we have to watch that dare video again (laughs) (laughs) so alan goes to the bathroom to clean up and he's freaking out because he's got to find the toys otherwise he's gonna have to pay joe back and no alan you're not We've been over this. This is not stakes of the movie. He, those toys have been written off. Insurance has paid for them, and you don't have to worry about this. As a matter of fact, just get rid of fucking Archer, and the movie's over. You do understand that the movie can't hear you, Nick. God damn it, hear me, movie. <laughs> but but movie,
2: movie doesn't even accept that, and the dad thinks that Alan
0: stole all his tools to pawn them to pay Joe back for the toys like god was this kid I, I feel like there's more about this guy's background that we're not hearing like did he deal drugs at his old school or just take them just take drugs yeah just shooting up heroin in the back of the school just finding him passed out with needles in his arm i'm pretty isn't black tar like one of the things the mom says when she <laughs> asks him he was on
3: credit?
0: yeah yeah she's actually just listing off all the drugs that they've caught him with just to make sure he's not using again that's that's what happened there
1: and the thing is, is that she is so sort of spiritual. You kind of expect her to be on something recreational herself. <laughs> she could be on marijuana herself. She is so wonderfully
0: chill throughout this entire movie. She is. Oh, um, yeah. Wendy Shaw, the other mother, does does get on drugs and stays very chilled. Um, but what they realize in the bathroom is that if the commando elites are looking for the Gorgonites, they can't have been destroyed. And Archer says, "Ah, they're doing what they do that what they do best. They're hiding, so they've got to go find the Gorgonites." Except, no, they don't really. This movie could be over by now, but let's just—we're going to keep going because the movie keeps going. <laughs> um, so the Commandos have now regrouped in Phil Hartman's garage, and they are basically masturbating. Music note: that electric guitar intro is still mm, awesome.
1: Yes, the <laughs> yes—that's their
0: theme throughout their music theme throughout the movie. It's it's great. And they are just jizzing over all the technology that's in this garage. And then Nick Nitro plops in and he's not in good shape. He comes over and, you know, it's kind of every cheesy military death scene. Did we win? And then dies. It's so it's like, true. No, dude. You didn't obviously didn't win. You got your legs cut off, <laughs> and if you had won, you would have known about it. You were there, and that is
1: something which I feel is a really American thing. It's like winning is just so important.
0: I mean, yeah, if you're if you're at war, it's the only, it's thing. the only, especially in war, <laughs> you don't just half-ass a war. So uh, we'll we'll just ignore Vietnam. Yeah, we're going to ignore Vietnam, Jules. Uh, no, <laughs> that was. Y- y-
2: It's not that you half-assed it, it's, oh, we lost. But winning was still everything, you just got nothing. Just remember that line from Otto from Fish Called Wonder,
1: we
0: did not lose Vietnam, it was a tie. (laughs) And here's another rule of this world that I want to explain to me, because we saw Brick Bazooka earlier, and that dude got fucked up. He lost his legs, part of his torso came off. And he survives. And they taped him back together. Yeah, they taped him back together. He's fine. Nick Nitro is his legs get caught off just under the knee, and he dies. Yeah, he just dies right in front of them. I guess showing any,
1: you know, of his lithium battery cell leaking out would have been a bit too far for
2: the kids, movie. But you would need to because it's an unlimited power
1: source. So where the fuck
0: is all? Because he does source? say his battery has run out. Yeah, very, very odd way to discuss death when it comes to machines. So now we're back at the toy store and they're looking for the Gorgonites. This was the first, like you guys keep bringing up the mental abuse that Alan heaps
2: on the Gorgonites. This was the first time I actually really noticed it.
3: Oh, yeah. He's
0: <laughs> shitting on them. Oh,
2: he's totally shitting on them. He's all right, we got to find them. They're hiding. Where would I hide if I was a total loser? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I was a hid if I was a hideous freak that no one ever wanted to look at and a total goddamn loser, where would I hide? And his immediate, although correct, response is garbage. Yeah. I am literally fucking
0: garbage.
1: Yeah, my <laughs> note for this is how Alan's description is somehow identical to my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah he's also alan is visibly eating an apple in this and we all know that villains eat apples a- <laughs> <laughs> so his his line uh, one of alan's lines here is um because he's trying to get into the mind of a loser gorg he's like all right i'm hiding because i'm a loser i've got zero self-esteem and my brain's the size of a peanut where would i be See, um, I was going to say to that, uh, Alan, you'd probably be making a podcast, if we're being honest. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> find others like you and make a
3: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I hear what you're saying about my brain.
0: <laughs> oh, John, yours is at least the size of a cashew. <laughs> bent? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, slightly bent. <laughs> uh, so they find the Gorgonites out back in the dumpster, and we meet the, Gorg- the Gorgonites. Um, they're all in there. We meet Ocula, who's just a eye with legs. Uh, we have Punch it and Scratch it, who are basically Master Blaster, A big one, a little one that rides on top of them. Uh, there's Insaniac, who I have here as a cocaine Robin Williams Tasmanian <laughs> Devil, because he does the Tasmanian Devil spin. There's Slam Fist, who's Quasimodo, and then Troglacon who they found pieces of earlier. They've put him back together with Alan's dad's AM FM radio.
1: Which plays Harry Shearer on the radio.
0: Which plays Harry Shearer on the radio. And again, great, great line here. Troglacan says, some assembly required.
2: (laughs) I just wish the radio
1: played
0: actual Spinal Tap
2: songs.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. That would have been good. Uh, If only they could get the rights. So Alan, he is now relieved because he has... So half the toys that he needs to get back to Joe, except no, he doesn't. We've been over this. So uh, we are going to take a break there, and when we come back we will see whether or not anything substantial happens. We're, <laughs> still...
3: <laughs>
0: we're still kind of treading water here. Uh, so yeah, we will be right back.
2: Dead? I'm going to go out there and destroy those commandos, and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh,
0: cool. Good luck with that. You're not even going to try and stop me? Maybe insist you go instead? Alan, I'm the kind of dad that sells shitty, boring toys based off of an idiotic code of ethics, all but guaranteeing that my small business will fail. That's true, but these- This means that the family is solely reliant on your mom working menial jobs in order for us to have any source of income. Right. Robot soldiers. Are- and I'm so recklessly irresponsible that despite your emotional problems, I'm going to leave you in charge of my store while I spend money I don't have on a bullshit business seminar in another city. Then instead of trying to be a father to you in any meaningful kind of way, I'm just going to make a big deal about being angry at you to give the appearance of parenting, when in reality I'm just a self-centered prick who well and truly doesn't give a shit. Wow, that's brutally honest. Alright, I guess I'll go and try and save everybody Hopefully not get killed by a nail gun Oh, hey, uh, when you're done with that uh, Can you go to the store and get some chips? Because we we are out Dad, go fuck yourself Go fuck yourself, son Anyone for
3: tennis? (laughs)
0: All right, we're back and we are once again with our buddies, David Cross and Jay Moore. And they are dressed up in protective suits because they're about to go into a clean room. And yet this is the only time where David Cross's password comes up again because he's really pissed at Jay Moore for using his password to order military chips.
2: Yeah, this was the whole consequence of that scene. David Cross whining for a few seconds.
1: <laughs> it was originally an Easter egg, and then they decided, you know, we have to make this into actually something that reoccurs. But they
0: didn't. <laughs> so they get inside, and they confront the scientist who designed the X-1000 chip about what's going on with their toys.
1: And the scientist is Robert Picardo, and I, I swear for a while I thought, Robert Picardo and David Cross were the same person. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they look like very similar
0: people. Both slightly balding, both always wear glasses. Both playing very nerdy characters, except Picardo's playing a very aggro nerdy character, and he's talking about how awesome these chips are. They can shoot a tomahawk missile across the globe. They instantly upgrade any system they're a part of. But apparently the Pentagon wouldn't fund anything EMP shielding for the chips, electromagnetic pulse shielding. E- EMP is is because I remember they did this thing again. This was for a while
2: where EMP was all over the movies. And every time it got brought up, they had to explain what it stood for? Yeah. Yep. Did the Matrix finally finish that one off? Because I remember them asking it.
0: Yeah, they briefly
2: explained in the Matrix. And then I think after the Matrix, everyone finally, it just it, it embedded in the public consciousness enough that everyone just finally understood what an EMP <laughs> meant and what it did. It clicked for the world at that point, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the military apparently wouldn't buy these chips because there wasn't an EMP shield. No, it's but they're vulnerable, they're sensitive to EMP. Right, and they wouldn't fund uh EMP shielding because it wasn't cost effective and Bullshit, I am calling bullshit
1: on that I'm saying movie accurately represents government approval process
0: No, because if it accurately represented the government military approval process They would have just thrown more money at it until it was a complete boondoggle We spent over a trillion dollars on the F-35 fighter jet Now they're saying it's too expensive and they want to develop another one They would have just thrown money at this if the chip was as awesome So I'm calling bullshit (laughs) on this
2: Also, according to movies, everything's affected by EMPs. So anything, no, so anything the military already has
0: would need that shielding anyway. So wouldn't this just go inside the house? Yeah, you're, I think you're right. Yeah, this is nonsense. They're just trying to set up the climax of the film. Oh, of course. And what we also learn is that the chips learn within their primary programming So, oh boy, shit's about to get fucky because all these toys are learning to inhabit their roles. Which has a great line where David Cross goes,
2: what do you mean? Artificial intelligence? And the reaction is, no, actual intelligence. (laughs)
1: Which makes what's been happening to these uh, to these toys all the more gruesome and terrifying and visceral.
2: <laughs> yeah, because now it's not just acting out programming,
1: it's sentience. It's actually sentient. These are actual people, in essence, is what he's saying. In a sense, yeah. Makes the whole thing kind of
0: existentially terrifying. Oof, poor Nick Nitro.
1: He also doesn't mention why all of the toys are caricatures, for the most part. <laughs> As we'll get to very soon.
0: So now we're back in Alan's room, and all the Gorgonites are there, and we, Insaniac, who's Cocaine Robin Williams, Tasmanian Devil, is going nuts, he's bouncing off of things, and he is spinning on the globe and he makes a James Cagney reference from the movie white heat. Look, ma, I'm on top of the world. And he spins off. And all I could think was, who is this joke for?
2: Yeah. Who is this sequence for? Because every th- we've dialed it up into, this is a kid's movie cartoon sequence. Right. And every reference is for their grandparents.
0: Yeah. For their grand not even their parents. Cause the, uh, the parents are boomers. They weren't alive in 1949, or at least not old enough to understand the films in 1949. So yeah, who's this joke for? The grandma who got dragged to the movies? No. Movie nerds. Movie nerds, yeah. Trying to get movie nerd credit. I mean, we're all talking about it because we all got the reference. Movie nerds in an age before the internet. (laughs) Yeah, IMDb had been online for two years at this point.
1: Hollywood inside jokes. They had to make him. No.
0: No, you didn't have to. <laughs> so all the Gorgonites are doing random things. Some are watching movies. Some are checking other things out in the room. And Alan goes up to Ocula, who's the walking eyeball, who's sitting too close to the TV. And he says, don't sit so close. You'll ruin your eye. <makes noise> and we're back to those same tv
1: rots your brain joke that came out in Mortal combat they really did throw those at the window right it was always the tv was gonna destroy you somehow it was gonna rot your eyes rot your brain
0: yeah because we were told growing up you can't sit too close because of the radiation not true i mean maybe for 1950s tvs but not the ones in the 90s or if you stared at it too long you'd get square eyes just all these wives tales and nowadays
1: how much time do we spend staring like two centimeters away from our (laughs)
3: smartphones
0: (laughs) oh my god if only they knew. so alan gets a call from kirsten dunst who's wearing a wired headset connected to her cordless phone Which I thought was great.
1: When you get those headsets out.
0: It's like an analog Bluetooth headset. (laughs) And she's adjusting her dolls. The dolls that she was embarrassed that her brother told Alan about. This will not be the last time we see these dolls. Oh no.
2: No it will not.
0: And so he gets the courage to ask her out. But she says she only dates older guys. Nothing personal. (laughs) Nothing personal also don't date much older guys when you're a teenage girls like it's not those guys you don't want to be dating
1: well we've already established that she has a bad choice in men who apparently think a date is being cheered on at the football scrimmage <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and outside one of the commandos the techie commando has bugged the phones with a walkie-talkie
1: I would like to reiterate as well that during this scene well the commandos are are pimping up their rides you get uh another one bites the dust from queen i mean this the soundtrack for this movie is phenomenal
0: yes it is yes we are we we go to the garage they're welding skateboards to machines to it's great and chip hazard learns that the gorgonites are alive and also learns that alan is super duper into kirsten dunst and they are going to exploit this
2: I like that she doesn't have a name in this movie. She's just Kirsten
0: Dunst. She's just Kirsten Dunst. I think I think her name in <laughs> the movie is Christie. So basically Kirsten. So yeah. I'm just gonna go. with Kirsten. She's Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> She's earned it. Notice how we're using Alan the character name and not and, um, right. And then it's Kirsten Dunst and Phil Hartman and Kevin Dunn and
2: <laughs> everyone else that you. Like, if
0: you if you go on to do Everword, we're not gonna learn your name. Sorry. <laughs> so the Gorgonites are trying to find Gorgon. They're on the computer, flicking through Encarta. analog Wikipedia and this is a very weird scene because because they say, you know, not going to find him in, in this window what about this window and Archer points to the actual window and they keep asking him what's beyond this thing and that thing, like what's beyond the road and what's beyond like, yeah, it's the gas station and then it's this and then it's that, then it's the highway. It's the three-year-old that's learned the word. Why? Yeah, it's exactly why. I
1: mean, this for me was the first time Alan wasn't a dick to the Gorgonites.
0: Yeah, but he's still doing all, he's still answering their questions with utter contempt. It's
1: true. Yeah. He's not Again, being... it's the
2: three-year-old that's learned the question. Why? <laughs>
1: he has absolutely no sense of whimsy at all he's just
3: entirely
0: dude he burned down a school just to watch it burn <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> and so at some point they they get to the extent of alan's knowledge of local geography and he's after that i don't know after that i don't know ah gorgon Gorgon could be out there why is that gorgon you just didn't know what was beyond that come on guys not smart. It's like arguments for God. Sorry. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> it's true. Uh, God of the gaps is a legitimate <laughs> logical fallacy. So now we're back in Phil Hartman's room, the well, house, yes, right, with Wendy Shaw, and it is movie night in the nineties. <laughs> in the nineties, so a sweet, sweet rear projection, big screen TV. Phil Hartman is basically jerking off to how awesome his new home theater system. And Wendy Shaw, the dutiful wife is "Mm -hmm, awesome. Great. Can we fucking watch something now? Well, that tree must've gotten its ass obliterated because he has 257
2: channels.
0: Oh, that tree got nuked from orbit. That's (laughs) what happened to that tree. It also has closed captioning
2: for, and this is going to be important. Dolby stereo
0: sound
3: Where available <laughs> we <We're> available <laughs> uh, and he
0: turns it on and instead of just watching the fucking show that comes on he's like ooh I don't like those flesh tones I'm going to adjust it and Wendy Schull rightfully is I mean in a very nice way but she essentially says motherfucker sit the fuck down who cares <laughs> Jesus Christ I just want to watch some goddamn television but the
1: chroma needs tweaked yeah, you, you understand why she's drinking the gin and tonic.
0: Yeah. Oh God, I I think that was just Wendy Shaw drinking actual gin and tonics because they gave her such a non role in this movie. <laughs> if you've listened to Wendy Shaw in American Dad, she has so much more to offer as an actress, and they just didn't let her do anything. So she's like, fuck you. I'm getting drunk on this movie set.
1: <laughs> let's let's weave
0: it into the plot. Uh, <laughs> let's yeah. <the> whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wendy, Wendy, okay, you're gonna be an alcoholic in the movie now. I don't give a fuck. This is beneath me. I'm Wendy Shaw. i actually a fucking talent. And so the commandos are like, "All right, chemical warfare time." They yes. they steal their sleeping pills and they steal a mouse trap to fling the sleeping pills into the drinks of the these of Phil Hartman and Wendy Shaw. And when they find it, they literally throw out the. It's a trap, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a trap! And also, as they're doing that flinging, uh, Phil Hartman has the great line, I think World War II was my favorite war. Yeah, that's where it came in I absolutely
0: in. remember this line from when I was a kid <laughs> and to me too Phil Hartman, me too. Wow. <gasps> Nick is Phil Hartman from this movie. I am Phil wow. Hartman. Oh god, I'm like don't we're, if you guys watch a war movie with me, you're going to fucking kill me by the end of it cuz I'm going to be commenting the whole time. <laughs> so they they knock the parents out with these sleeping pills and I don't know what the fuck these sleeping pills are made of, but they go down Instantly, there's just no delay between drinking the sleeping pills that get flung in their drinks and then passing out.
2: Well, they shoot five of them into a gen- into an alcoholic drink, and then the weird thing is, yeah, she does pass out pretty immediately. And then Phil Hartman's honey, honey, oh fuck it, this is mine now, and just starts chugging the <laughs> gin and
1: tonic. I was just gonna say, movie accurately represents
0: the drug problems in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to kirsten dunce's room she's out and they see her gwendy doll collection and now we get some overt perving (laughs) yeah this was uncomfortable very
1: uncomfortable
0: oh god yeah watching grotesquely proportioned soldier toys catcalling non-sentient barbie dolls essentially was not comfortable no (laughs) yeah
2: i i forget if it's the moment where they talk about how they're fully posable, or or if it's when they're asking for some r&r that it's just a punch in of a doll bed
1: (laughs) exactly it's the doll bed that was the moment that's
2: what really made me just god just makes your spine twist a little
0: (laughs) just no (laughs) it's for the dad who had his kid that weekend who his girlfriend isn't talking to him. Just needs to give him some sort of sexual tension in the movie. I don't know. Jesus. Yeah, the the line is bombshell, sir. Fully posable.
3: <laughs>
0: and so they bring the body of Nick Nitro. Yeah. This is where it turns into a horror movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, this is where it turns. This is a
2: legitimate horror movie at this moment.
0: Because he takes his head and, again, great pun, he says, a mind is a terrible thing to waste as he tears the microchip out of his head. And all the soldiers, because he's he's taking the skin off, he's breaking the, I don't know what you'd call it, the bone parts underneath. And all the other soldiers like, oh God, I think I'm going to hurl. Because they're essentially wanted- one. They have no
1: internal organs and even they feel unsettled by this. <laughs> and then
0: shit gets Frankenstein-y. Yeah, they've rigged this, this crazy contraption where they take the Gwendy dolls and they shock them in a cupcake tin and they channel the energy through the chip and all all the Gwendy dolls come alive. The the
1: additional unsettling moment when one of the chips gets put in one of the doll's boobs instead of their brain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't get how this worked
2: because they only had one chip or they broke it up or something and somehow powered up these dolls that I don't think had any programming in them at all so now we're
0: breaking our own rules on this movie yeah they're essentially making injection molded barbie dolls come to life with the power of magic yeah Yeah. and by magic we mean science science with a lowercase s it's all of the lightning bolt things you'd find in a spencer gift store (laughs) and it's because they're obviously doing frankenstein Brick Bazooka goes, It's alive. It's alive. And I don't know why they mutilate these Gwendy dolls. They make them look like all the rough toys from Sid's room in Toy Story. Yeah, they're all
2: partially melted in different ways and just Oh, it's disturbing.
0: And all stripped down to camo underwear even though they all had, you know, their own clothes. And instead of
1: having the voice of Nick Nitro, they have the voice of Sarah Michelle Gellar. And Christina Ricci. <laughs> Christina <Yep>. Ricci. <laughs> and they are demonic stereotypes. I'll say,
2: but ma- but yeah, it's those two voices for an entire platoon of toys it just adds to the creepiness factor. Exactly. But
1: the
0: stereotypes
1: are evil, so it's okay. Yeah, no, they're they're
0: definitely parodying... Barbie dolls with this so one of the one of the new Gwendy soldier dolls goes up to Chip Hazard and it says Ken and Fodder Gwendy reporting for duty sir which just right? a fantastic line <laughs> and Chip does not check her out he's all business so we go to Alan's room again where he's explaining wind to Archer and there's no point to this scene other than to set up a line at the end of the movie and he leaves him with this line, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Every street preacher ever. I was going to say kid using the power of heart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the worst planet here. Except his power was basically mind control. I'm going to say this is an okay
0: line. I'm going to say it's an okay line. I like a bit of cheese sometimes. It's a bit of cheese, yeah. No, it, they, they make this pay off at least, but... Movie all this scene does is set up a later mini payoff, so Kirsten Dunst comes home and she finds her parents asleep in front of the t v and biker her boyfriend really wants to fuck
2: <laughs> yes he does,
0: okay, my parents are asleep yeah, so you know what that means, yeah, they could wake up any minute, so you need to fuck off now,. <laughs> <laughs> You horny teenage boy. She puts something in the closet totally misses that her brother's been tied up and left in this closet. It is
1: only in movies that people don't look where they're putting shit.
0: And as Kirsten does, goes upstairs. Biker boyfriend is outside practicing excuses to try and come back in again and get another shot at getting laid. <laughs> but we're in a horror movie now, so fuck that. So while boyfriend, biker boyfriend is trying to regroup and get laid again. Kirsten Dunst comes into a room and sees all the Frankenstein equipment everywhere. And you're right. It looks terrifying. It looks like a horror movie. And she sees all these mutilated, half-melted Gwendy dolls all over the place that start talking to her. And you see a particularly ugly one look at her and say... Don't hate me because I'm beautiful.
2: Yeah, it's all this Our turn to play with you. Isn't this gorgeous? And there's one that literally doesn't have a head that says, Did I overplug my eyebrows?
0: Yeah, just a pair of Googly eyeballs. <laughs> Did I overpluck? My- but it's okay because
2: then uh, the Led Zeppelin kicks in. The
1: Led Zeppelin kicks in. Had this been horror music, it would have been a horror feel- horror moment. But because of the Led Zeppelin, this made it an action moment. No, it's still <laughs>
2: horrifying.
1: It's still horrifying. It's still horrifying. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't disguise it. It's
0: <laughs> so biker boyfriend hears the scream. He runs up and he sees that Kirsten Dunst has been tied up and on the ground and all the. Creepy Gwendy dolls. And immediately it's like, hey, big boy, what's your side? They start swarming him. And he freaks the fuck out, starts chucking them everywhere. And as one of them gets thrown, at them, they say, are you dumping me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, it was actually. Good poetic justice for...
0: Yeah, no, he he gets what he deserves. So as he's throwing them away, he gets flamethrowered by one of the commando elites. Pants are now on fire. Gets lectured about chivalry by Chip Hazard about how to treat a lady. (laughs) (laughs) And then my
2: favorite moment of the movie happens right here. When he tumbles down the stairs, his pants are still on fire. His pants are still on fire, but it's that he tumbles down the stairs, hits the little landing, and then continues tumbling down the second set of stairs. (laughs) And all I could think of is that he's going to need oh one one eight nine 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 eight
3: eight one nine nine one nine two two five (laughs) three.
2: Uh, It crowd and then he just leaves his pants there with the rest of the fire.
0: (laughs) And that is a move. That is a production wrap on biker boyfriend. And now this shit gets creepy because Chip Hazard now has Kirsten Dunst tied up and gagged. Are you scared? We were all scared. You'd have to be crazy not to be. And the 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 music from Psycho should just start playing because that would have been the most appropriate thing. And so the Commandos shoot a hostage tape into Alan's room.
2: Yes! This movie is so fucking crazy.
1: The fact that it almost kills Ocula is the first moment Alan
0: actually expresses genuine concern for the... He's growing as a character. And we learn that the Commando elite invented the ISIS hostage video. Because we see Kirsten Dunst (laughs) giving, you know, a scripted message to... This is of my own free will," she says. "No, it's not." The the, the commandos in the video are just like, <laughs> just shut up and read the lines.
2: Yeah, I,
1: I I put you know stick to the script, read it like we wrote it. I I just said that every screenwriter in Hollywood had a simultaneous orgasm at that line.
0: <laughs> 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 yes, they did. Oh, uh, so you know, basically, the Kirsten Dunst said that they needed, they need to bring the Gorgonites to her house, otherwise they're going to hurt her. And they turn it off and this is the be- one of the best lines. Insaniac Cocaine Robin Williams says what else is on? <laughs> 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 and okay so Alan brings a box to Kirsten Dunst's front door and we hear Gorgonite voices inside and while the commandos are distracted Alan shoots Archer onto the roof with a firework and a Mini parachute? Yeah, where the hell did he get a mini
1: parachute? Yeah, you know those rockets that you can totally aim? That have a remote control. <laughs> I mean, I get that his dad has a toy store, but he's he's got a remote control rocket and a mini parachute. That seems a little bit out of left field.
0: But he's got it. So Archer sneaks inside and lets Alan in the back. The dolls attack Alan, gets into Curse and Dunce's room. Alan is getting the shit kicked out of him by creepy Gwendy dolls, Archer Freeze, Kirsten Dunst, who immediately, and this is, we were talking earlier about game recognizing game. She fucking goes nuts. She grabs a cheerleading baton and starts beating the living shit out of these Gwendy dolls. And it is amazing. Oh, and she she
1: loves it. This is some serious AI abuse right now. Yeah, she's
2: she's venting an awful lot of... uh... Re- repressed great. she's got some repressed issues she's finally <laughs> letting come up here
1: I wanted to set fire to my school
3: what?
0: <laughs> and so she's beating her Gwendy dolls to death with her cheerleading baton and one of my favorite lines of all time one of the, one of the Gwendy dolls yells it's a baton death march <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god
0: and because again i'm a giant world war ii nerd it is my favorite war Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what the baton death march is it's uh a war crime that the japanese committed against thirty thousand american troops in the philippines when they captured them they basically marched a bunch of them to their death and it's horrible but it makes a great pun in a kids movie (laughs) that i chuckled at makes it even better right Mm-hmm. So the Commandos blow up the Gorgonite box with a firecracker, but it's just a boombox with a cassette tape.
1: Right before that, though, one of my favorite lines is when the guy puts the explosive in the box, he turns around and says, I love this job! Yes! Which <laughs> made me giggle.
0: Okay, so the box has been blown up, the Gwendy dolls have been defeated for now, and Kirsten Dunst looks at Alan and says, you rescued me, and teenager smooching ensues, and they escape out of Kirsten Dunst's window, and because, again, the soundtrack on this movie is amazing, we hear, Whoa! What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. And that's probably all we can- Oh, there's build-up to
1: it. Yeah, it's just this- you want to hear these voices coming from the garage and then an explosion and out of the explosion come the little mini rides that the Commando Elite have been working on and to the music of war. It's oh, perfect.
0: It's a fantastic-
2: <laughs> I don't understand what they were
0: going for. Are you nitp- It looked awesome. This is, this. I mean, I'm usually the nitpicky one. Is there
2: some sort of a message that they were trying to get?
0: I don't. I don't know. Yeah, war, war is bad. Okay. I think that's the general vibe they're going for. And so Kirsten Dutz is trying to get the key, her scooter ready so they can flee. And one of the commandos goes up to Alan, who's tripped over. He's lying on the grass. And the commando says, time to plant corn. And he shoots five or six of those corn, those things that you... ow! Yeah, fucking ow! Those little things you stick on the ends of corn with the long metal progs or... Corn holders. Yeah, corn holders. And, yeah, he gets five or six of them shot deep into his leg. Ow! Fucking ow!
2: To quote another amazing movie,
0: Shit just got real. (laughs) Shit did just get real. And Kirsten Dunst is not just a psycho with a lust for violence. She's also a Jedi, apparently, because Chip Hazard shoots stuff from his vehicle at her, and she just blocks it with her baton. (laughs) The Force is definitely strong with her. They get on Kirsten Dunst's scooter, and they escape, and one of them shoots a flamethrower at her. And again, because from this point on the pun game just becomes even better and more frequent
3: because the commando
0: <laughs> goes hot pursuit. Oh, God, So good. So good. Um, and so now the, the commando elite vehicles are chasing Kirsten Dunst and Alan on the scooter. Kirsten Dunst is driving. And one of them comes up with a chainsaw and starts cutting away at the back of the scooter except no because the chainsaw is not moving it's just a plastic <laughs> fake that the art department put on the toy because that is not a real chainsaw we saw that that is but
1: it creates sparks. These these guys are, are definitely riding stuff that's straight out of uh, robot wars oh yeah
0: And it's going to turn from Robot Wars to Voltron because after they shoot down, they shoot down a tree and the tree is on fire and they have to dodge it on the road. All the commando vehicles come together and connect. That's
2: exact. That was my exact thought. They're like, all right, let's bring it together. Okay, we're going to regroup. No, they fucking Voltron into a mega vehicle. (laughs) Second favorite part of the movie. (laughs)
0: and because they're all connected to each other they can go faster now for reasons
2: yes that is how science works
0: that is yeah that is definitely how (laughs) science engineering all works (laughs) the
1: fact that they could keep up in any way shape or form made no sense (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) and so kirsten dunst ramps off a ledge into a ditch sticks the landing But the commandos don't, and they explode in a ditch. So we think, yeah, so this could have been one of those endings. This is one of the multiple climaxes of the film. It's
1: a false ending, and I have to say, I was delighted. I wanted to see more. They had teased me with that. In a a modern day, that would be, you know, time to introduce a sequel.
0: I, I was satisfied with this as an ending. But nope, there is so much more movie... Left to go. And so Alan asks if he can drive back. And why, Alan? Why should you get to drive back? (laughs) Did you see that driving that Kirsten Dunst just did? She's fucking sweet at driving this fucking scooter. It's her scooter.
2: I mean, she's obviously amazing on the scooter, but now there's no threat. You know, he'll be a bit of a gentleman. He'll drive back and Oh a safe driver. Oh,
0: okay. They
2: can save their adrenaline for when they get back, that's what I was getting to. Cause even if she drives back, she's gonna be like ramping off of curbs and all kinds of shit just for the hell of it.
0: Yeah, but that's so much more fun to watch. And, and yeah, Alan has not been established as a good driver of anything, so it just feels it just felt weird after watching Kirsten Dunst awesomely drive the scooter that he would get to drive her home. Alan hasn't been
2: established as being good at anything.
3: <laughs> that is
1: true. true. He's just mediocre in his way through the whole fucking film. He he knows how to pick up toys um from a shifty truck driver. That's that's Yeah. That's,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, he cool. knows how to plan arson. <laughs> only only for the his best friend delivery driver guy to be like, hey. Cops are smarter than you think, man.
0: So they drive home, and they're outside of Alan's house, and Alan's parents and Kirsten's parents are fighting. Uh Uh-oh. And we go back to the crash site, and Chip Hazard has survived the crash. And he comes upon a big corporate toy store that is getting ready to launch the Commando Elite line. Except, no, everything's being recalled now, and Joe, the truck driver from earlier, is picking up all the toys.
1: And he has another corporation-y rant.
0: Yes, he's just corporation-y rant with uh, the manager of the store, who he's explaining why they're recalling the toys. As he drives away in his truck by himself, he says, Corporations, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is screwing up. Because corporations are bad, kids. Remember that.
1: I mean, I just flash back to the start of the movie with the two big corporation logos following the evil corporation commercial, and I just, oh, I chuckle, expecting Joe to say, but I get good health insurance, you know.
0: He probably doesn't. Chip Hazard hijacks the truck with his tiny knife, which is apparently made out of real metal because the toys apparently come with real metal knives for when you want to stab your annoying younger sibling.
2: I, th- I thought this was just another thing that they kind of did up. First, they had taped little blades to themselves, but now he's had time to fashion it into a, a proper little...
0: Entirely possible. So now we're back in Alan's house. We're in the living room. Both families are having it out. And Phil Hartman, again, perfectly encapsulating 80s, 90s parents, looks at Kirsten Dunst and says, he's brainwashed you, hasn't he?
2: Which just shows how good she was at hiding psychopathic tendencies.
0: <laughs> and Wendy Shaw is there, and she she's still drugged, or more likely just still fucking drunk, because she knows that this movie's beneath her. And David Cross and Jay Moore show up, They come in pretending to be a customer satisfaction team and Jay Moore gets really uppity with Alan over the message. Whatever you say can and will be used against you in a lawsuit or whatever. His dad punches him and knocks knocks him to the ground.
2: Yeah, the guy who is constantly threatening to sue you. Gets punched.
0: And Kevin Dunn, who we all agree is about as threatening as a dead mouse, apparently throws (laughs) hands.
2: Apparently?
0: So the commando elite then cut the power. The power in the house goes out. And outside we see a shit ton of commandos because Chip Hazard hijacked the truck and has now got all these other commando elite toys on his side. But very suspiciously left the other Chip Hazard action figures in the box.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's just
0: the one and only Chip Hazard. Didn't
1: want to struggle for command,
0: yeah. And so the the Kirsten dunce's younger brother's really worried about what's going on, and Wendy Shell says to him, still very drugged, Oh, they aren't after you. They just want to kill the little monster people." And you can see her soul <laughs> leave her body as she says that line.
1: <laughs> I, I put how all Americans react to global events on TV.
0: but no her eyes bug and her face droops as she just realizes what movie she's in and what her role in it is well i mean
1: it's it's an easy paycheck all she has to do is nap right it's
0: true (sighs) nap and drink how do i get that job (laughs) so phil hartman says okay this is ridiculous i'm gonna go out and surrender so he puts a white handkerchief on a thing and he tries to surrender them but yeah we'll give you the gorgonites don't worry about it he calls them the gorgonzolas (laughs) and chip hazard does not accept his surrender and why they're like hey we'll give you the very thing you want just leave us alone cool because now he's considered all of the humans to be Allied to the Gorgonites. But they're willing to give them. Anyway, because the movie needs to keep going. They need to get a full runtime. Yeah,
2: this is where it started falling apart for me. I just. Oh, really? No, it's just going to keep going now. Yeah, like this is where I just started losing interest.
0: How? <laughs> and this is where Chip Hazard pontificating and he gives the tagline. I love this line. I remember it from when I was a kid. He goes, We are the Commando Elite. Everything else is just a toy. Jesus, my favorite line. Second favorite line after the Patton death march. So we finally get some '90s music in this '90s movie. Yes,
1: Spice Girls.
0: With some motherfucking Spice Girls. Oh, and that was painful for me.
2: Again, this is where I'm checking out.
0: <laughs> John, why don't why don't you tell us what you want? What you really, really want? <laughs> Listener, if you could just see the look of loathing and hatred on John's face, not just for me, but for all of humanity because of this song. it is.
1: If we had an Instagram, it would be our profile picture.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I honestly referenced that song at work recently because with Ever- um, International Women's Day, so many of them were, you know, they had like girl power stuff. Basically, it, almost the exact same delivery you had. All right, Melissa, what is it you want? You really, really,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so they realize that they're using psychological warfare on them. And Kirsten Dunst mentions that the Marines use this technique on Noriega. And I'm just thinking, I'm sorry, Kirsten Dunst, were you paying attention to the invasion of Panama in the late '80s turning into 1990? Was that what you were focused on? What?
2: Yes, this is why she recognizes game when she speaks out.
0: <laughs> but there's even more local contemporary ref. They use this technique at Waco. You'd think Waco would be more of a, I don't know, an historical talking point, but nope. Marines in Noriega. Okay.
2: It's not military. Waco wasn't military
0: enough. It wasn't military. And again, it just confirms that Kirsten Dunst is a psycho in this movie. And so here's the thing this is, again, this is where it starts kind of falling apart for me as well. This loud music bugs the neighbors. One of the neighbors, you know, yells out her window, but doesn't
1: call the cops. They all look, but don't seem to notice the giant siege that's going on. Yeah.
0: And the siege starts to happen. They, the house gets attacked with a nail gun. More neighbors hear this. We, we we cut to another house where there's an older couple that's pissed off with the noise doesn't call the cops nobody calls in a noise complaint
1: no they turn up their TVs they shut their windows uh,
0: what's it what's uh, what's Phil Hartman's name in the movie Finkle or Fimble or it, Phil Fimble Fimble, like shaking their fists Because clearly he's done this before And now we get the flaming tennis balls Yes (laughs) Yes, Uh, they start They have the machine outside that shoots flaming tennis balls Into the living room window And this is Alan's mom's Time to shine Have we established her as a tennis player? Nope, but she's going to grab her racket And start whacking The flaming tennis balls Back at the commandos
1: She does take control of the situation too um she tells everyone what to do where to go she says nerds side windows i almost
0: went to my side windows (laughs) and of course because we're now increasing the puns per minute one of the commandos outside goes great balls of fire serb
3: Serb. (laughs)
0: yeah um so the men are having a boring really long and boring talk about emp's in the kitchen further back in the house. It's David Cross. It's Jay Moore. It's Alan's dad. And it's Kirsten Dunst's dad is Phil Hartman. And they're talking about how they can get an EMP going. And this scene goes on for way too long. It's really boring. Luckily a fence blows up and I'm back in the film. The commandos blow up aside to kind of flank the house. And again, there's a major explosion in this neighborhood and nobody calls the cops. If this was post nine eleven, there would be the FBI. They would have the British SAS there. Nope. And so back in the house, the men, the men figure out that if they blow up a nearby transformer, they can cause an EMP. But they've also got to overload the circuits at Kirsten Dunst's house. I don't know if any of this makes any sense scientifically. It sounds like bullshit.
2: They just need more electricity running so that there's a bigger pulse. Again, science.
0: Yeah, if you know actual science, send us an email and let us know if this is real or not.
1: Don't send me an email. Send send Nick an email. Nick needs to know.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Alan is in the kitchen getting a monkey wrench to complete the circuit between the two transformers out on a power line and alan's dad comes in there and says no you're not going out there you're my son and he's like dad you know i gotta do this and the dad doesn't go no you are a teenager i am an adult You are not going out there with psycho toys shooting nail guns. Get in the closet. Let the adults handle this. As he should have said.
1: It really didn't make sense that he risked his child's life in this
2: scenario. If you're old enough to run a store, you're old enough to face off against a horde of sentient plastic. (laughs) (laughs) Really?
1: In the midst of this... In the midst of this, there are the two cliches, the there's no other way cliche, and you have to trust me cliche, which just grates on me
0: quite a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So while this is happening, uh, David Cross, Kirsten Dunst, and Jay Moore, they all escape outside the side door to go to Kirsten Dunst's house to turn on all the stuff and do stuff that they swear is science. And then Chip Hazard flies in on a helicopter, a little mini helicopter.
1: To the music, The Ride of the Valkyries.
0: From Apocalypse Now. Well, I mean, from before Apocalypse Now, but made famous in the helicopter scene in Apocalypse Now. And he comes in, and again, amazing line, he says, I love the smell of polyurethane in the morning.
2: The the whole Ride of the Valkyries and the I love the smell of blank, those are just my two most overused cliche Yeah, <laughs> movie TV things. Just again from th- from the moment we had the hordes from the start i do like that they went back to you know what happened with the rest of the shipment but this whole section of the movie just <laughs> keeps getting longer and harder to get through
1: i genuinely liked it I- <laughs> i just thought they put they decided to do absolutely everything they could
0: oh yeah they're they're going for all the war movie cliches
1: instead of saving it for a sequel they just decided screw it we're cramming it all in this one movie
0: fair point fair point uh so philip hartman is a dick and won't let alan's mom in the closet because they're all trying to hide (laughs) that that was weird wasn't it (laughs) yeah not a scene that needed to exist i mean i get that they need to put the rest of the Adults somewhere, just so we know where they are. But it was a. We
1: already know Fimble's a dick. There's no reason to make him, you know,
0: a murderous dick potentially. I mean, if you if he'll chop down a tree, he'll murder your mom. So we go outside, and another amazing war movie pun. uh One of the commandos is driving around on a vehicle outside. He says, "All's quiet on the Western Front yard."
1: <laughs> oh God, yeah, I did, I did catch that one. Ah,
0: oh, I, I enjoyed that. John did not enjoy that. John is kind of checked out at this point because he's very disappointed in how this movie has ended so he's just shaking his head disappointedly at this film and so Alan and Alan's dad sneak outside and are immediately ambushed by some commandos and they start shooting a nail gun at Alan and one of the commandos says hey kid don't you like nine inch nails huh like the band, and I'm also going to try and kill you with the literal nails.
2: Julian's laughing, but he's face palming at the same
1: time. I just want to make that yes, clear. It's it's I enjoyed
0: true. all these cheesy puns.
2: I enjoyed most of them.
0: I I reached
2: my limit (laughs) much earlier in the film, as already stated.
0: John has a cheesy pun saturation limit that's very, very low. So inside the kitchen, the Gorgonites are hiding, and Archer gives them an inspirational speech to come out and start fighting. And they do. They go out and there's a whole sequence of Gorgonites beating the shit out of commandos. We have, um, I forget, I think his name is Slam Slamfist, who looks like Quasimodo. He swings on a, a rope or a string or something out a window, yells, sanctuary, sanctuary, you know, like the movie. And we get even more puns per minute because Insaniac, Cocaine, Robin Williams, Tasmanian Devil... Has a a mace, an old like a ball on a chain. So he calls it his
1: old ball and chain. Like, I meet the old
0: ball and chain. <laughs> and more puns than I cared to write down. He just kept going. Oh
1: god. It 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 did it, it, it hurt at a certain point, yeah. I think Insaniac was one pun machine too far.
0: Then Archer meets up with Alan because he's saved him from being cornered and alan is really worried because archer might get killed by the emp but archer's like no you got to go and do the thing and because now the movies realize that it's absolutely ridiculous that this neighborhood isn't swarming with cops they try to explain it away (laughs) with kirsten dunst calling the cops and they can't get her to she can't get them to come over you can't get them to believe
1: that it's not a prank this was I don't, know why, I don't know why she didn't just say our house is being attacked. Why why she said why she would say anything that would make it sound like a prank call. When you call the police, you want the police to come. It's not you don't
0: automatically tell them the situation. <laughs> I mean, this is essentially an all white neighborhood. Just say you saw a scary black person, they'll send a SWAT team. Jesus. <laughs> But she's like, oh, hey, she's like, no, this is not a prank call. And then she gets a bright idea. Hey, if this is a prank call, will you send somebody out here? Nope, they hang up. I did like that moment. (laughs) Just
2: like, shut up,
0: kid. (laughs) So David Cross is now fiddling with the fuse box. He may or may not know what he's doing. And then Alan is now climbing on the power line. And he starts getting attacked by chip hazard helicopter that's shooting fireworks at him. That doesn't explode the power line, by the way, even though it takes direct hits. And eventually, the Chip Hazard helicopter gets shot down, jumps onto the power line, and the helicopter blows over Phil Hartman's satellite dish. Put a pin in that. And Chip Hazard starts stabbing a child. Yep, he gave biker boyfriend shit earlier about being chivalrous and whatever, and now he's stabbing a child. So, um...
1: It's Gorgonite scum. Yeah, he's Gorgonite sc-
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Archer uh, shoots a arrow with a rope on it and goes up there to fight Chip Hazard and save Alan. Uh, he gets kicked off. And then Alan just grabs Chip Hazard and puts him in between the Transformers to complete the circuit.
2: The mostly plastic Chip Hazard completes the circuit.
0: <laughs> I think that's the
1: <laughs> the wind part, yeah.
0: Oh, so Alan now falls off of the power line. Doesn't die, by the way. He falls directly on his back. He should have a shattered spine, but I think... He's caught by the tree. A light branch breaks his fall.
1: A light branch. That's that's the old Hollywood light branch. Saves the day.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs)
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Wait, is that really a thing oh yeah Ah, uh, we use the old soft branch landing technique <laughs> tried and true never fail. there are so
0: many impossible falls that get broken by trees on the way down that should absolutely have ended in instant death exactly
3: All
2: right. i know i know there's plenty of circumstances where somehow landing on a car and crushing it with your body makes you just fine. There's been plenty of those, but he wasn't sure about the old soft tree branch technique.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Alan gets up and he realizes that he's surrounded by evil toys. He's got Commando Elite toys, crazy Gwendy dolls, and it looks like he's about to get fucked up. Until Kirsten Dunst comes out on a ride-on lawnmower and just starts <laughs> running over all these toys. And that same psychotic grin she had earlier is back as she just murders these sentient beings on the lawn.
1: It's This is a slasher movie moment for toys. It, this is where, where the How to Be a to Your AI title came <laughs> from. It is just the... Not just the actual killing, but the same thing that happened in Gremlins. It's the method that you're killing these creatures that makes you feel a little sorry for these creatures, even though they're evil.
0: Yeah, just a little sorry for them because we've we've established that they're not just artificial intelligences, they're actual intelligences and you're running them. Exactly. And yeah, they're trying to kill you, but that doesn't make it any less gruesome. So she pulls up in front of Alan And she tells him to get on and she asks, is this going to be a pattern in our relationship? And I feel like that's a conversation you need to have when there's not murderous toys around. You don't just tell somebody they're in a relationship in a place where they fear for their lives. I don't think that's a situation where adequate consent can be had, but hey, maybe I'm overthinking things. I am overthinking things. So David Cross overloads the fuse box, which causes the Transformers to explode and all the evil toys die. David Cross commits genocide. Next morning, we're in the neighborhood. Emergency services are there cleaning up. Still no cops. Apparently, this town has no cops. Alan's house is wrecked, and Dennis Leary shows up in his helicopter like he did the beginning of them. It's the return of the dramatic music helicopter. Yep. (laughs) Guess who's back? Back again. Leary's back. Tell a friend. And so Joe is also there with his truck because, you know, he was hijacked and told to drive there the night before. And he tells Joe to move his truck before the news crews get there. And like the cops, why are there no news crews there?
2: This is what I thought you were getting at way back at the beginning of the movie, uh, where he was telling Jay Moore like, how unimportant he is, and I'll forget your name like by the time I leave this room. He addresses Joe by name.
0: Well, yeah, because he's got it on his uniform.
2: That doesn't. No, he'd just be like, get this fucking truck out of here. <laughs> he doesn't have to try and be friendly with this guy. I also wanted to mention that him
1: stepping off the helicopter, the old stepping out of a vehicle and crushing something with your shoe.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Is the most tired old trick that they do. Like, this is symbolism. No, it's not. <laughs> You're just trying to have a
2: dramatic dramatic shoe moment. Not as tired as Right of the Valkyries.
0: <laughs> so he has Miss Kegel there with him and she exercises damage control because she starts cutting some fat checks. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> you see what I did there, yeah. Your pun game is strong. <laughs> Money X machina, that's what I put. Mm-hmm. Money X machina, yeah, because Joe's trying to, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of hurt my shoulders. so it's going to be tough to drive that truck and then just cha-ching... Whatever check she cut him, he's like, "Oh, I'll move that truck right away, Mr. Dennis Leary, sir." Phil Hartman comes up and is like, "My house and the damage, and just cha-ching makes it okay." Alan's parents are like, you know, the humiliation, a devastation, with cha-ching, just whatever check. Like, there's not no amount of money in the world that will make up for this. Oh, that'll be fine. Some good
1: money smacking <laughs> it.
0: Dennis Leary talks to David Cross and Jay Moore, and he tells them to turn over the toys to the military division because he knows some rebels in South America that would be very interested in them. (laughs) Like, what?
2: He's going to take on rebels with... Or is he selling them to the rebels? He's selling them to the rebels. To throw over the government.
0: Yeah. I mean, holy shit. Like, I know this is an evil corporation, but that's just blatant. You just said that out loud. There are people not under NDAs. <laughs> and by the way, there's no thing they have to sign for these checks. Doesn't give a fuck. Just gives the checks out. Usually when you get a settlement shit like that, you got to sign some pretty punitive non-disclosure agreements. Nope. Just here's some fucking money. And just... Blurts out his plan to overthrow Ford governments in front of people. Doesn't give a fuck. Then he leaves. He gets back onto the helicopter and he says, Too bad. This would have made a hell of a commercial. Yeah,
1: and after that, Alan and Kirsten Dunst have a kiss and then they look at the helicopter as it's leaving and they look at it like it's meaningful in some way. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like they
0: actually they actually met Dennis
1: Leary or they heard what he said.
0: Yeah, nope, not at all. I mean, maybe that's just all that was going on at that moment.
1: And then in the subsequent scene where they're picking up trash, I just seem to remember there's a lot of picking up trash in this movie.
0: Yeah, they just cut them checks. It's like, yeah, you pick this shit up. <laughs> they do they
1: do seem to love their trash cans, you know, it's where the Gorgonites are, it's it's picking up trash at the Rob store, it's picking up trash after the Everyone likes tidying up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they're looking for the Gorgonites. They didn't pick them up in the trash. Alan finds them under the satellite dish that got knocked over during the battle. There's this moment, this fake moment of tension. He tries to talk to Archer when he picks him up, and Archer has defaulted back to toy mode, and you think, oh, man, they must have gotten fried with the chips. But no, he's fine, because the satellite dish supposedly shielded them from the EMP. Don't look it up. Don't reference Encarta and see if we're bullshitting. Satellite ex machina. (laughs) And so they were all pretending to be dead this entire time. And so it's so clearly at some point during the battle, the Gorgonites were, well, fuck it. We've done enough. Let's go hide again. (laughs) It's what they do. It's what they do. So that whole rousing speech that Archer gave was for nothing. Just nothing. They did a little bit of stuff and then they went back and cowered. So we get, we're get we we're in the final scene of the movie. Finally. The Gorgonites are going to go off to find Gorgon, which doesn't exist. Alan kind of mentions that, like, hey, you know, it doesn't exist, right? And call back to that scene with the wind. He says to Alan, even if he can't see something, it doesn't mean it isn't there. As the boat
1: sets off, did anyone else notice the trailer and the barbecue going on behind
0: Alan? Oh, yeah. No, there's somebody <laughs> who's there to... to have a pleasant afternoon in the woods. Yeah,
2: but even if they saw anything, really, it was a kid playing with toys, and he has him in a boat, and he
0: pushed it out onto the lake.
1: <laughs> I assume that was crafty services.
0: Yeah, he pushes these toys out on the Viking boat that was broken earlier in the movie, so it gives them the shittiest boat in the store mm-hmm. for them to go off on their epic adventure.
1: Alan's a dick to to, a- to his AI. He's just
2: like as
0: long as they as long as they just leave, just <laughs> get away. <laughs> they can just float out there for days it's fine as long as they're just gone correct me if i'm wrong here but i think for in terms of alan doing this this is littering right he's littering (laughs) in this national park
3: (laughs) i suppose in the sense, yeah that's
0: so the the emotional climax like the emotional (laughs) finale of this movie is alan dumping in this lake this river these old toys. And did you notice that as they pull away in their boats, the sail on this sailing ship is up. It's not down, so there's no wind power. Right. But they still manage to sail down the river. There's at least some current, you know. There's some current, but not to shoot out to the side and get into the current and go down. There was <laughs> some propulsion going on there. That was not pa- the magic of friendship. Who the fuck knows?
1: <laughs> you were saying Insaniac was going to be a motor run. That's what I was going to say. He's just spinning around underneath.
3: Them. <laughs>
0: yeah. And oh, yeah. And speaking of Insaniac, he's the last thing we hear in this movie. He does his cocaine Robin yeah, Williams shtick. Oh, no, no, it's not him. It's actually Slam Fist. Okay, maybe he's the last thing, but it, it's him responding to an Insaniac bit where he's basically pretending to be doing stand-up on a cruise ship and i'm like wow this is what we're ending the movie on cool and so they sail into the sunset and that is the end of the movie at long last
1: and at the end of the credits there's a little um for Phil deleted scene oh really what
2: happens in there
1: uh, it's just an outtake of one of the Conversations he has ah. during the movie.
0: Ah, totally missed that. All right, and that's Small Soldiers. But before we go, as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has some kind of moral to it. So, uh, Jules, what did you learn today? Well,
1: I think I learned a couple of things. For starters, I miss watching Robot Wars, that was a great show. <laughs> <laughs> and second, um, I learned that hiding is always the way around my problems.
0: <laughs> it's certainly how i survived high school and john uh, what did you learn i learned that instead of
2: cer- sending kids to juvenile detention we should just make them run small businesses
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: damn right damn right put the fuckers to work and i learned that if you're a major corporation and blow up a suburb the cops won't even show up it's fine And before we go, we need to tell you what we're going to be doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Oh,
2: I don't think they're going to look forward to it as nearly as much as we are. We will be diving in (laughs) to Baywatch.
0: Oh, fantastic, Pud. I learned from the best.
2: This movie. (laughs)
0: And did you, uh, just to get everybody excited, did you find a review for Baywatch? I did. I found a lot that were strangely from 2013, 2015,
2: but this one actually is from 1989. If there has to be a show about guys and gals hanging around at the beach, well, of course there doesn't. Society would survive. Life would go on. Even television would go on, and with a vengeance. But there is such a show: NBC's Baywatch. And really, honestly, actually, it isn't all that bad. It's sort of like Flipper without the dolphin. (laughs) Flipper without the dolphin. (laughs) And while it goes on to describe, you know, kind of Hasselhoff and the premise, (laughs) I just love that it includes the line. Unfortunately, there's also a plot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: God, that does not bode well for us. Let's pull
1: a screen
3: right
0: (laughs) up. Oh, boy. And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you can to help others find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.